episode of Code of Conversations. Today we have game designer Ricardo Lee. Hey, welcome to the show, man. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Yeah, man, how, how you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, man. I'm doing wonderful. I'm just excited to be here. Let me see. I'm trying to get this uh this link share so, so, can, so people can see what's going on. Yeah, let's get that. Um, yeah. So, give me one second here. I know you got a LinkedIn thing. Like you got to pretty much uh, wait till it starts before you give out the link. But right, right, yeah. Because right. I, I know with uh with YouTube they do the countdown thing. Here it is. I found the YouTube one. I'm just gonna share that one. But most people have that. Let me see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see, I see I'm frozen. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, one second. I'm sorry, everybody. Just bear with me a minute. I'm trying to trying to share the uh the link. How do you get the thing? Oh lord. Welcome to the show, slash and samurai. How's it going? All right, there we go. Well, yeah, man. If you, if you don't mind in the meanwhile, uh can you get honest a little bit about your background? Yes, yes, absolutely, guys. Okay, so um, I started off as an artist first, fun fact. So oh, man, I think y'all y'all mute. Yeah, how you doing, Logan? Just chilling, man. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear Ricardo? I was. Then he stopped talking. Yeah, cut out. He's like, oh, shit. Gimli showed up. Run. <laughs> Let me uh, bring him back in. Hey, uh, Ricardo. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah you can right, just come back. All right, all right, all right. Okay, there we go. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was a that was a lot happening just now. Yeah, I was trying to share the link. They did they did not they did not make sharing that link very easy. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but yes, okay. So let me let's start over. So you was asking me, uh, you know, tell them a little bit about myself and I guess how I got into this this field of interest. Yeah, yeah. Can you kind of tell us like what you do and how, how you yes, got yes. Okay, so um, so yes, I am a uh an indie game designer, and I am uh, a uh, animator as well. So, yeah. So initially, how I got into game design, uh, yeah, um, my story was uh, interesting. So I wasn't a game designer at first. So I initially started off as a artist, and um, what ended up happening is, um, you know, like any creative, I went through a little series of having creators block. You know, so uh, um, I just couldn't. I don't know. It got to the point where I just couldn't draw a thing. You know, I feel like I couldn't even draw a circle, you know, right? It was just, mm -hmm. I just wasn't happy with my work, you know? So, but I still kind of had like this creative urge to, you know, to tell stories or just, you know, just do whatever it is I want to do creatively, you know, just express myself. But so I started, uh, you know, looking online into, you know, game design programs. And I found this one called Game Maker. I, I believe I started with Game Maker 6. Uh, that was like the, one of the earlier versions. And, you know, I started tinkering around with Game Maker for a while, and then it was all she wrote from there. You know, I just kind of, you know, I just started improving my art. I was able to get back into my art again, because, you know, because game design, it takes all of those different elements of art and programming and, and bring it all together. 
you know, and it got to the point where I eventually learned how to make my own music. So now I'm kind of a one man force. Uh, as of now, I'm so I, so I do the art, I do the programming, and I do the music. You know, so yeah, that's pretty much how I got into it, and it's been it's been uh, fun ever since. Yeah, like what what inspired you to make uh want to make mm -hmm. games like any particular game you played or um you know okay so it's funny so um uh, whenever uh people ask me you know ask me oh, so what inspired this and what, what inspired that it's the smallest things that that will uh that I get inspiration from I guess because I'm an artist I look at every everything when so when you when you're an artist every everything you look at everything you see it you it's like you absorb it and it kind of goes into um, what you produce, right? So because I was an artist first, I apply that to game design as well. So it could be the littlest thing. Like I can work, I can be working, like I can, I can start a new job working in the mail room, for example. And, and for some, some one little thing about that would spark a whole idea for a game or for a story or something like that, you know? So that's kind of how, um, you know, that's kind of how I would, I would just, you know, just, just based on my everyday life of what I, what I'm doing with my hands and what I see is what inspires an idea. So for example, um, currently right now I'm making a, a fighting game and uh, the idea was inspired by a can of soda. I'm not joking. I was like, so I remember seeing like a can of soda and it had like a really cool, cool looking design on it. And I was like, hmm, I wonder, I, I wanna make a game where, you, where I use soda as a theme. I don't, and, that, and, that was, and that's kind of how the whole thing started. So this game I'm making now is a fighting game. Um, it has a it has a theme of soda. So er, so in this game, everybody's obsessed with soda, and it's like so it's almost like they use use soda as a part of their fighting style, and this is whole thing. Oh yeah, that's interesting, man. Uh, did, yeah. did you did you play a lot of games before? Uh, wanted to to make a game? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so my favorite video game character, uh, growing up was Sonic the Hedgehog. That was my favorite video game character. Um, I did not like Mario. <laughs> I don't know what it was about Mario. I could I could get into Mario, but I loved Sonic. Uh, so yeah, so I used to play a lot of Sonic, and then as I got older, um, you know, play a lot of Street Fighter, um, and then and then I started graduating to Nintendo and getting into Zelda. So Zelda is one of my favorite uh, series, and then um, yeah, you know, so it's like yeah, so I, I, bits, bits and pieces. It's, it's crazy because um, a lot of the modern games I, I don't really like them as much. Uh, and not all of them. I mean, there's a lot of there's a you know a few good ones here and there like Elden Ring and stuff like that, you know. But most of them to me they kind of just lack uh, imagination, you know. And um, I really I really love that uh, early '90s era or that uh, early 2000s era. You know, I, I just feel like uh, we were at just at a all time high when it came to creativity with games. I feel like they weren't uh, they weren't afraid to try anything. So they I, so I kind of feel like that. Just, they weren't afraid to destroy the player and crush their hopes and dreams. <laughs> And any right. form of, of 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 desire to continue playing, nothing yeah, broke yeah. you like a boss back in the nineties and two thousands. There was no easy win. It's either yeah, you won or you died. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember, I remember one of the hardest games I ever played was uh, you guys remember that uh, that Lion King uh, platformer game? Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair because that game was glitched. It was also oh, that's why it was hard. <laughs> no, 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 it was impossible. The game developers game actually came so out. The super, the super Nintendo one was actually literally impossible. There was a bug in the game that made it impossible to beat. If I'm not oh, mistaken. That's crazy. Okay, yeah, so I had, yeah, they, I had but they openly one. admitted it. Yeah, but it was it was broken. They they couldn't fix it either. Jeez, yeah, that, that game that game was brutal. I was like, the only way I could beat that game was was by using cheat codes to get to get through the levels and stuff because it was hard. 
Well, I never um, got past level one on Ghost in the Shell, and I never got past level five on Time Slip. <laughs> yeah, man, no, yeah, those games, yeah, you're right, those games, they punished you back then. Like, um, and but yeah, but but I just feel like they weren't afraid to just, I think because the game industry was so new at that time, um, they just wanted to just try things, you know, and I, and I feel like we miss a lot of that now. I feel so, I feel like the only way you can really get, uh, you really, you really unique experiences is from the indie games. Um, but if I if I could be honest with that, I started I'm starting to feel like the indie games are starting to get to the point where it's a little um, oversaturated too. So, um, so I, yeah, I, I feel like when it comes to creative industry in general, we're kind of getting to the point where everything is starting to everything is so saturated. There's about to be a new renaissance, but I don't know I don't know what that's going to look like. Absolutely. Uh, Slash and Samurai asks, what's the biggest influence on your art style? Ooh, okay. Um, well, I love anime. <laughs> anime. Mm. I'll, I'll just say anime. Anime is probably like my biggest like influence when it comes to yeah, anime. That's it. <laughs> That's just, just a symbol of the anime. Yeah. I've got a new game I would love to get built, uh, based on the mm. great cleric. I don't know if you've seen it, but you need to. Sitting up. Have you seen the great cleric? The great, the great cleric. No, I haven't seen it. It's real good. You gotta watch it. The concept is novel. I love it. Like oh, okay. it, it puts a it puts a twist on on MMO type approaches that you would just never have perceived before. Mm-hmm. And the idea makes so much sense that it was so obvious. I don't know why players didn't do it to begin with. Oh, but, yeah, I'm not gonna ruin anything for you though. You gotta go watch it. But get back to me on that. Okay. No, I'm down. Yeah, because yeah, I, I just finished watching. Um, God, I can never get the name right. Um, Mushoku something. Uh, it's a it's a isekai uh, anime, and um, the uh, the guy he I think he died, and he got transported in like this fantasy world, and um, so he had to learn how to use magic and he, and growing up and everything. It was pretty good. Um, they they did they did a few things there that I, that I like, but but you're right. Like it seemed like whenever they turn these animes into um, whenever they have like, these animes and they're like based off of like games or like MMOs or something like that, they always do something unique that games never actually do. So yeah. Square Mode asks, uh, how is your learning curve of learning the program and using other tools to animate? Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, the programming thing, that was, I was gonna say it was hard um, because because I wasn't a programmer naturally at first. Um, so this is this is how I learned. This is even how I learned with uh, doing certain doing certain types of art as well. Because um, excuse me. So I have to remember. So back when I started working on video games, this is before we, you know, certain technologies regular regularly available to us. Like you know, now everybody got like a tablet where they can draw directly to the screen, um, or they or they have a uh, you know they got the little Wacoms where you can just draw and look at your screen while you're drawing. You know, but I didn't have that growing up, so I had to draw all my sprites with the mouse. You know, um, so um, so pixel art uh, was was a little challenging for me because I couldn't, you know, translate me drawing on paper to to the computer. I couldn't do that. So um, yeah, so how I had to learn how to do pixel art was I started taking pixel art from games that I liked, and I just started customizing them and using them as the base. So one of the games I was really obsessed with when I was growing up was uh, the Dragon Ball Z um, the Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Games on the Game Boy Advance, the uh, what is it, uh, Legacy of Goku Two, and Blue oh, Scary. Yeah, yeah I was definitely so they really good games. I feel like they're so under underrated. Really good games, and um, but yeah, so those are my favorite uh, games growing up. So I started taking those sprites and just started. Um, they were simple enough for me to manipulate and change them and make them look like my characters, and that's how I learned how to do pixel art. And then 
you know, as technology improved and we started getting, you know, getting on tablets and stuff like that, then I was able to kind of just, you know, go from there and just, you know, draw directly from the screen. I don't know if I didn't even answer the question. I'm, I'm sorry, I might have thought I went on a tangent a little bit. <laughs> what, what, what was the question? Let me make sure I answered it. Back up there. Uh, how was your learning curve of learning, programming, and using other tools to animate? Got it, got it. Okay. Um, now, and then with the programming, okay, so now with the programming part of it, so that's what, that was the art. So with the programming, I did the same thing. So how I learned how to program was um, a game maker, they had like these uh, these examples that you can, uh, these pre-built examples that you can download. And, um, and, and it was, you know, it basically had a game already built for you. And he was able to go in there and change things around. So that's how I just that's how I learned. I just went in there and started fiddling with things. I'm like, okay, so this is this just looks like this the jump. So I started changing numbers to see what would happen. And you know, and so then at that point I started being like, okay, I remember that this did this, and I remember that this did that. So it kind of got to the point, it was like it was almost like uh like I have like a jigsaw puzzle, and I remember that these two pieces work best together. And that's how so that's how I started doing this. I started remembering how certain things work together. And then I just started experimenting and then flipping it and being like, okay, if I do it like this, then this happens. So it was, it, that's kind of how I learned. I just learned, that's about just literally just experimenting. And so that's kind of the best way I learned for, learn when it comes to new programs as well, is just going in there and start tinkering with stuff. Um, now, now the problem I have with some of these uh, animation programs is I feel like they make them a little too convoluted to, uh, sometimes. Cause uh, uh, me and my best friend was actually talking about this last week. And um, I feel like a lot of these like animation programs are built by corporations but not by not but not necessarily by artists because i feel like some of these programs be like you know for me to just just do the simplest thing like make make the character move you got to do all do like this five-step process when when in reality all i should be able to do is draw a circle and then draw another circle two frames over you know what i'm saying but they, i don't know that's like some of these programs make it so complicated so i usually gravitate to the programs that's a little bit more simplistic like because i know they have um some of the more industry standard ones like toon boom um those ones that use for actual cartoons and stuff like that i don't like those because i just think i think they're overly complicated for no reason so i tend to kind of just gravitate towards whatever works that's whatever simple whatever's more simplistic i can just get in there and just do what i gotta do you know um and then only time i will probably go to some of the more industry standard stuff is if there's something i can't do in this program like for example um for the longest time uh up until i'll be honest up until about maybe i want to say about three years ago. No joke. I made all of my pixel art in paint, MS Paint on the, on the computer. And so so it wasn't until about three years ago I found this program called Aspire, Aspire, or Aspire I can never pronounce it right. Um, um, the one I told you about, I remember you asked me about it. Yeah, I've mm -hmm. only been using that program for about maybe three years. But up until then, I just I did all my all my pixel art was on, on paint just because it was, it was quick, snappy. It did what I needed to do. I didn't have to go through it wasn't hard to figure out how to set it up. I, I was just able to jump in there and just do it. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't have to go go through a whole learning curve on how to do something, you know? Yeah, I think that's a, a great point. Like you don't necessarily need the most complicated tools. You just need mm -hmm. something that works. A lot of times the more complicated the tool, it just slows you down really. For real, right. And, and you know, it's so crazy because I, um, I know how to use Photoshop like the back of my hand, right? I, I use Photoshop, I love Photoshop, but I don't use it for pixel art. Because I mean, because the question is like, you know, why would you not use Photoshop for Photoshop pixel art? Because I feel like it makes it too complicated. <laughs> that's 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 really yeah. so. So what I do is only time I ever put my pixel art into Photoshop is if I need to do something complex like a like a glowing effect. But if if I don't need to do that, I don't use I don't use Photoshop for pixel art at all. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, that's the gotta use the best tool for the job, man. Uh, mm -hmm. 
So, like, uh, <clears throat> are you working in the game industry full time or are you doing more of the independent thing? Definitely independent. Mm -mm. Yeah, I would love to, to do it full time. But if I'm going to work in the game industry full time, I, will, I want to do it on my terms. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, OK, so I say this. I don't if, if Nintendo called me tomorrow and be like, we want to give you a job. Oh, I'm definitely going to take it. You know what I'm saying? But the, uh, the truth of the matter is, I just feel like it's really hard to get into the industry. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, I mean, we talking about this earlier. I just feel like back in the day, um, they were willing to, you know, they were willing to bring you in. If you, if you didn't know how yeah. to do something, they saw what you were good at and they, and they honed in on that while teaching you some of the other stuff. But I, I, but I feel like nowadays they're not willing, really willing to do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, they just want you to know how to, um, do everything before bringing you in, and you know what I'm saying. I, I know how to do what I do, and I do what I do very well. But I don't know how to do what they want me to do all the time, you know. Um, so yeah, so because of that, um, it's a little harder for me to really get into the industry. So I, I kind of got to the point where I'm just like, I'm just going to do it myself and do it the way I want to do it. Oh, my my best friend is on. Hey, what's up, Terrell? <laughs> I'm glad to have you on. Uh, appreciate you stopping by and showing support. Um, but yeah, um, so like, do, do you actually work in like the coding industry or like, uh, is that something you're looking to get into or like? Um, coding. Well, I mean, well, for my games, I code my games. Is that, is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. um, are, you like, are you like a web developer or? Uh... No, no, no. All, all the coding I do is strictly for video games. Oh, that, that's it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what my code is. What's up? What engines do you use? Is Unreal? Do you, what do you do? Are you doing Sharp? What's it? What's what's the uh? What's it look like? Oh, okay. No, okay. No, I'm not. I'm not using any Unity. I'm actually. I'm. I'm right now. I'm actually in the process. I'm learning. Um, Unreal. But I'm using Game Maker Studios too. That's what I'm using. Um, I, I am a faithful game maker advocate. I will advocate game maker to anybody. Okay. If you if you uh, if you if you're new at game design, it's amazing. If you're experienced at game design. It's amazing. Okay, so yeah, your game maker, their uh, their program language is based off of JavaScript. So I think with enough applying, you can find someone who values what you know and can train you more on it. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Interestingly enough, like even in web uh, in web mm -hmm. development, like that point you made about companies not wanting to train you, like you almost mm -hmm. have to come in as a mid level developer, but they're gonna right. pay you as a junior. Mm -hmm. You have the quote-unquote experience, but you have to know how to hit the ground running. Yeah, and, and, and you know that's perfectly fine. I, you know what? But you know this too, though. I, I just think, um, and you, you really got to know yourself, right? Um, when it comes to when it comes to anything that I do, I'm, I'm just a visionary. When it comes to stuff I make, so um, I find it really hard for me to uh, put my arms to something that I'm not if I'm not feeling it. You know, you know what I'm saying? So. Um, and if I, if I was to show you the stuff that I made, you'll be like, okay. You know what I'm saying? But like, it's just like, I don't know. Like whenever I make anything, I just, I, I really put my own. So like I said, cause I'm an artist first. Mm -hmm. So because I'm an artist first, I almost, it's almost like I, I treat everything that I make as though it's, I'm painting a picture, even though I'm programming or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so everything that I make, it has, it has my DNA into it all throughout it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, down, like I said, down to the programming, down to the music, down to the uh, the art direction, everything it, it has all it has all of me in it. So, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of to the point now. Even if I did have the experience, I don't know if I would fully like working in the game industry 
uh, with for another company. I'll just, I just, it just won't, it just wouldn't feel fulfilling to me after a while. It would be cool because I'm, um, you know, I'm doing something that I, I'm good at or something I like to do, you know. But um, I feel like after a while, it, I'll kind of run into that same law where me being like, you know, I don't want to work for people no more. You know, it's, it's kind of that because I'm just not able to really, uh, you know, express myself. And my best friend can tell you, like, when I get commissions. For me, when I like when somebody asks me to, to, to design something for them, you know, it's better for me to do uh, smaller projects and for me to do big, bigger projects because after a while, I'd be like, yo, like this is like, <laughs> and it's and it's not and it's not that I can't do it. That's not the problem. But the, the problem is, is that um, I'm like because I'm such, because I because I have such a strong vision for anything that I work on. Um, if like I said, like I remember, like I had I had some I had a client. They wanted me. They wanted me to work on something for them, and. I had such a strong vision for what they worked on. It it was like it was an you know what I'm saying like and they and they allowed me to to be my creative self with it. Um, I produced some of the best work I ever made, and I got it done in like a week. <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying. But um, but when I but when I feel like I'm creatively stifled, it, it's like dang, it's like it's like it's almost like it's draining me a little bit. Square Mo says you can always step into a role, learn new skills, and still create on the side. Yeah, that's true. But I I think I think I'm I'm, I'm not saying I'm not willing to to grow in that direction i'm not but uh it's just not as easy people don't realize that it's not that easy yeah, yeah because it's, it's really drains your batteries yes yeah, it's, it's, it's that exactly that's what i'm saying because like because like i said and, and this is and this is what i'm saying because i'm an artist first when, when it comes when you're an artist it's not it's not like okay so when, when you're programming you can it's like you're a machine right because you're programming you know how to program it you know how to connect this and do that and you know you, you're like a machine you can just go in there and do it but when you're an artist everything comes from emotion you know, everything comes from spirit, if that makes any sense, right? So, um, so because I'm an artist first, um, I'm always drawing from that well of emotion and spirit. And if and if it's drained, then I can't, I can't produce. You see what I'm saying? Do you find like, because uh, you know, like like you mentioned, program is more left brain, logical art is more mm -hmm. like right brain. Do you feel like you have to shift modes when going from programming to art, or is it kind of like? Yes, I do. I, I do. I do have to code switch a lot. So, for example, it's so it's so interesting. It's so interesting because it's like um, it, it almost kind of it's almost like a I feel like it's almost like a philosophical thing somewhere in there because um, when I'm when I'm doing art, it's like I don't have to think about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm it's, I'm just able to do it. So I so I can draw and I could be I can be talking to you having having an intelligent conversation and I'm sitting here drawing at the same time. And and um and I don't have to think about what I'm doing at all. But if when, if I'm programming, I need dead silence. Like I, I don't even listen to music when I'm programming because I need to focus on what I'm what I'm doing. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's so it's so crazy. So that's so that's how so that's the best way I can explain. It. It's like I'm pulling from two different sources in a way. It's like you know. So it's, it's so weird. Like do you have kind of like a routine? Like okay, I'm a program for a couple hours. Now time for art. Now time for music. Or is it just kind of like whatever you feel like doing at the moment? Um, sometimes it's whatever I feel like doing. Um, I, what I, I think what I normally would do with my um the program and stuff is um and some people probably wouldn't encourage this. I guess I have my own process. What uh what I'll do normally is uh I feel like sometimes the art will in, will um encourage me to program. So mm. sometimes if if I know I'm about to get ready to program a uh I don't know um uh, okay actually I just started working for example I just started working on the attack animations and stuff like that. Um, so some people will go ahead and program that first. Um, and then they'll just use like little, like little blocks or something like that to do the attack. I was like, nah, I'm going to animate the attack animation first. 
And then, uh, and then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna put it in there. And sometimes it works to my benefit. Sometimes it don't. I'm like, oh, I just wasted time on this part of animation. But I mean, whatever. It's my process. So it's like, <laughs> you know. So and and, I, and I'm kind of I'm kind of to the point now where um, I I used to do that whole little and because and this, I think I, I think this is a, the lesson of it is that because I'm an indie game developer, I can kind of just do the way I want to do it. You know what I'm saying? And um, cause, but, cause I used to fall on that pressure. My last project, I felt under that pressure of, uh, okay, I need to make sure I'm moving quick enough so I can have something to post every week. And this, that, and the third. I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care anymore. Because when I when I did that, I got burned out from the, yeah. from that from that last project. And I'm like, well, it's whatever. I'm not. I'm doing this for me. At the end, so at the end of the day, for, like I, if my game does well or not, I don't. I don't care. I'm, I'm making. I'm making art that I. I'm, I'm making the art that I want to make. I'm, I'm making the product, the project, or the game I want to make. I'm programming the game I want to make. Um, and if you like it, great. If you don't, I made it for myself. And I, that's kind. Of, and and it, it sounds so nonchalant, I know, but it's just. I mean, you get when you get burnt out when you try, when you're trying to think about the numbers. You try to think it's it's yeah. too much. As, and and I think and I think that's what I think that's what's going on with the game industry. Um, people are burnt out because they're not having fun with it anymore. It's like nowadays when you when you, when you play a game, you could tell the difference between whether or not they was making this game. Or whether or not they were having fun making this game, it's, it, you can feel the difference when you're playing it. Like Marvel vs. Capcom Two, you can tell they had fun yeah. when they were making that game. You can feel it. You can feel it through through the through the controls with the amount of characters. You can feel how much fun they were having when they made that game. Well, that's the biggest issue with the industry right now is is they've mm -hmm. forgotten that as game developers, first and foremost, you're a gamer at heart. Right. Once once you lose that and you just go corporate it's going to drain your batteries, which is going to drain the quality. And that's the yeah. biggest issue and the complaint that I had that I've pushed back for the longest time is I would rather wait three or four or five or seven years for a game, but the game to be phenomenal than for out a new edition or a new version every yeah. year or two. It's like, I don't mind yeah. waiting several years. Like a perfect is Elder Scrolls. I'm happy to wait yeah. several years in between title releases so that I can have a good experience because I still play Skyrim. I still play Oblivion. I still play Morrowind. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. those games don't lose their play value because people made those with passion and not exactly. with purchase points in mind. That's why EA games suck and they have no replay value. <laughs> it does work. That's, 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 no, that's, absolute, that's absolutely real. Um, I remember I, I was talking to somebody, I ain't gonna say no names, no, I'm joking. but I was talking to somebody and um, they're, they're an indie game developer. And, um, you know, so I asked him, okay, so I was like, hey, so what kind of game you're working on? And then he was like, well, oh, well, I'm working on this type of game because, you know, my research told me that this kind of game sells and this, that. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, so you're making a game because you because you think it's going to sell and it's going to do well because this is what people are into right now? Oh, you're already doing this wrong. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. I mean, your research may be correct. You know what I'm saying? But um, that's not fun are you are you doing this because you like doing it or are you just doing it because you're trying to make money you know it's, it's like i don't i don't understand i, I just don't get that yeah that, that point about passion is great man because like even with this podcast like you know when i started focusing on numbers and you don't get the numbers you think you should have got you start feeling drained and uh maybe i want to give it up but if you just do it for the fun of it it's like you're gonna you're gonna continue doing it even if you know nobody affirms what you're doing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and you, you get like this—I don't know—you get like this satisfaction from it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about uh, this last one of the last games I worked on, right? So um, I was a pro I was a part of this event called uh, Graffiti Games, and it was with um, 
this company called Playcraft, and they're located in New York. And um, so every so every year around the summertime, they they'll choose a different um, you know underrepresented uh, community to focus on for for game for game development, right? So um, the year before me, I think they did the LG, they did the LGBT community, and then my um, my year they did uh, they focused on black game designers. So they so they found five of us, uh, no five black game designers to, to work on a project. So um, you know. <laughs> so, so they, they was like, "Look, we're gonna pay, we're gonna pay you X, Y, and Z to work to work on uh, whatever, whatever you want for the thing to showcase and you know how you how this makes you feel or you know or whatever, right?" So I was like, "Cool." So I was like, okay, I got three weeks to work on the game. What do I want to make, right? And I picked the thing that you probably wouldn't, nobody would expect me to make, especially with the other games you see me that I've made. Um, you know, I I so I, I chose to work on a narrative narrative game. I wanted to tell a story, so I wanted to make a game that felt like an interactive storybook, you know. And um, and to this day, one of my favorite things I ever made. It was a it was it was a short, sweet game. To this day, to, to this day, one of my favorite things I ever made. And it just I just felt so fulfilled when I made it, just because it's what I wanted to make, you know. what I'm saying and it's just uh, yeah, it just I don't know. I, t- I, t- I was able to tell a story. I was able to, you know, I was I was it was just I don't know. I just felt I can't explain that. It. it just felt I just felt so good. After making it, and um, you know, and you know, and, and it was kind of a, uh, uh, I get too deep. It was a kind of like a, almost like a, uh, a self fulfilling prophecy in a way. You know, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, what I mean, and um, I remember, uh, uh, I remember a long time ago, I was, uh, I was praying, I'm talking to talking to the Lord, and, and I felt like He shared some things with me. He was like, um, you know, through, through your games, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring. You know, like deliverance to people through through mm-hmm. the things that you make. You know, what I'm saying I remember him telling me that, and a lot of you not. So after I made that game for that event, one of the girls that was a part of the event, she decided to play my game on her live stream, and and she had like a nice uh, nice amount of followers. I was watching her play the game, and I'm watching them, you know, watching her play it and everything. And I remember somebody typing in the comments, and they were saying like, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm like just me just me listening to the music from the game. I feel like I'm like being like free from my anxiety you know what i'm saying and i, and I started crying because i remember what god told me was, you know what i'm saying and it's just like i didn't you know what i'm saying so it's just like it's just stuff like that i, I just like that one little thing it, it was enough for me you know so i was in that that one little thing made me happy you know what i'm saying so uh to this day i still one of my favorite things I ever made yeah so it seems like uh like game <laughs> game making is almost like uh you know like some people look at it as work but for you it's almost like just an enjoyable activity period and you're also free to put your message in there yeah yeah and and that's the see that's the thing like um you know i'm a christian but i don't i don't make my message intrusive you know what i'm saying um mm-hmm. so so it's never it's never like that I, I just i my message is always something that people can relate to you know what i'm saying so and so in that game uh the the, the story to that game was um it was a little girl she uh her, her, and her family were going to a sky lantern festival. You ever seen the little trench where they light the, light the little lantern and let it go, or whatever? So they were going to this festival at the end of the summer. So she spent all summer working on her uh, her lantern, but then when it came time to let it go, she didn't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because she put so much time and you know effort into it. You know, and you know, so she finally let it go. And when she let it go, it uh, you know, ended, ended up kind of crashing and burning. But she didn't see she didn't see it happen. And so it crashed and burned, but when it when it crashed and burned, it transformed into like this beautiful fire creature. And um, and then the story eventually what was going to happen was the fire creature was going to come back to the little girl. So the so the whole message behind it is sometimes you have to let something go 
and for, for, for it to come back to you more, in a more beautiful way. And that was and that was a message, you know what I'm saying? And it's something that anybody can relate to. So it wasn't necessarily a Christian message. It was just more so just a message of uh, sometimes just letting go. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, uh, so that particular uh, interaction was touching for you. Like, have you seen like other people play your game and like, were they like really moved and how did it affect you? Yeah. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, so surprisingly, a lot. A, a few people I, uh, I know play the game. They all, they all loved it, you know. And it's it's funny because um, because I didn't have that much time to to fully uh, put uh, to do what I wanted to do with the game because I wanted the game to be a uh, to be like a uh, excuse me to to be like a a full blown series of of like little things that was happening. But we only had a small amount of time because of you know all the things that was going on with COVID and everything at the time. So. Um, so everybody that played the game, they all said, I wish it was longer, you know? Um, and I said, yeah, I wish it was longer too, you know? And I, and I, and I could go back to it. I, I do want to go back and work on it eventually. Um, but uh, I think what, what what's been my focus now is uh, um, I don't want to make the mistake of what I did with my, with my project before that one is working on one thing for so long that I, that I have nothing to show, you know? Because so, my first project, um, uh, Project Remix is an action platformer. I've worked on that game for, for like four years, and um, but it was but a lot of that time was spent with me learning what to do and what not to do, um, how this works and how that doesn't work. You know, so it was a lot of um, me learning how to do things. You know what I'm saying? So uh, but I put so much time into that that I didn't have uh, my art my art portfolio suck. My uh, my game design portfolio suck because only only had that one project. You know, so. Um, so I made a promise to myself where I'm not going to work on one game for too long unless unless it's a game that like that gets picked up. You see what I'm saying? Because I, I did a whole pitch package for that game and nobody wanted it. It's, uh, one company wanted Konami wanted it, but that's a whole other can of worms. They not, you know, Konami wanted to own the IP and all this other stuff, you know. So <laughs> yes, and I, I was like, oh, absolutely not. You know, but uh but yeah, yeah. So uh it's uh but yeah, so I'm kinda so yeah, so now I just don't, yeah, I'm just, I'm working, I'm focused on the, the new project I'm working on now, and I got a couple of things I want to do, is just, I wish I could, like, make clones of myself, you know, so I can kind of just do a bunch of stuff at once, but yeah. Square Mo asks, uh, Ricardo, is there somewhere where you've document, documented some of your growth, and yeah, also, like, where, where can people yeah. find your games at? Yeah, yeah, okay, so, um, you can find, you can find my, uh, so my Instagram is, uh, Nefi Studios, that's N-I- F I Y Studios with an S at the end. And it's all it's all one word. And that's what you can find my uh that's that's on my social media tags. It's a very unique name, so nobody has it. So it's a, yeah, it's, uh, that's my yeah, so you can find me on uh on uh Instagram. That's I put a lot of the game stuff on in the process of me working on it. Um and then my portfolio, I'm gonna have to paste that in here because my portfolio, the link is a little interesting. And I have a portfolio with, with, with all my art and everything in there as well. And then, um, excuse me. And then, uh, and I can also put the uh, put the link in there, uh, link to my uh, my, uh, my my itch.io. That's where you can play the games at. Um, yeah, so you can go to go to itch.io and then type in the five studios as well. You might, you mind spelling that one more time? Sure. It's uh, N I F I Y S T U. D I O S. Okay, let me put this on the screen. 
Yeah, so you can find, yeah, just, just type that in. So you can find them, find me anywhere. Honestly, all you got to do is, uh, that name is so unique. If you type it in Google, all my stuff will come up. So, like, <laughs> so, so, so you mentioned like uh, you, you pitched your game to a couple of different companies. What was that like? Yeah, all right. Okay. So, uh, okay. So the first, first pitch, I, I was, that was to Konami. Um, so I actually was posting, just posting some things in like this uh, indie game uh, group. And just not just posting my progress on the game here, here and there. And then one of their uh, talent scouts reached out to me and uh, he was like, hey, do you want to have you thought about pitching your game? And I was like, uh, well, oh, not yet. But yeah, I did think about it. And he was like, well, I'm one of the uh, representatives with, with Konami UK. And, um, you know, we are uh, looking for some games, you know, some some uh, indie games to, to bring under us, to bring under our wing. And, yeah, we want to know if you want to pitch to us. So he gave me a deadline. He told me what I needed for the pitch package. And um, so, I'm, I, so I focus on getting the demo fully, uh, fully fleshed out and uh, ready for the uh, for the uh, for the pitch. I put together the pitch package, and uh, and then everything was on the move, right? So uh, so now there was a few mistakes that happened here. So one of the mistakes were uh, they um, asked me how much would I want to, you know, how much would I want to make the game, uh, how much would it cost to make the game, and um, I initially told them eighty thousand. Uh, for and they they love that price, right? <laughs> so then I I got some bad advice. Bad advice. <laughs> I got some bad advice from uh from someone who uh from uh excuse me I got some I got some bad advice from from someone who um I thought was more experienced in uh, in this space, and they was like, oh dude, that's a little too low. You probably should ask for you know for for what for the type of game you're going to make because I was making a uh, it was an action platformer. Um, slash Metrovania game, you know? So there was like, so for the type of game you're going to make, you're going to at least need 150000 And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and me trusting this person and trusting their judgment, you know, I was like, okay, well, I, I see what you're saying. That makes sense. So um, I was like, all right. So I reworked the budget and I was like, okay, so 150000 this is how it's going to be broken up. This is what, this is what I'm going to need it for. And they was like, oh, oh, absolutely not. They didn't like that price anymore. Um, and the reason why I say that was bad advice, even though what he was saying was technically right, that is probably the, that is the amount that it would cost. I the, the the part that he wasn't taking into account was I'm still an unknown developer, and the fact that they the fact that they even having a conversation with me is a privilege in itself. You see what I'm saying? So um so so the price that I gave them was the price I should have stuck with. But after I told them that new price, they did, they weren't feeling it, and then and then COVID happened, <laughs> and so it's like it was like this is a recipe for disaster. So it was like everything, you know. So uh yeah, so so that's what happened. So so uh and I tried pitching it to a couple of other places uh. You know, after that, but but nobody wanted to pick it up, pick yeah. up the game, and I did change the change the budget and everything, but nobody else wanted it. So um, I kind of was like, no, that was the problem. Well, we had I mean, a studio that was lined up for it to take a look at it, and then they backed out, and then that's that's the de kiss of death right there. Right, right, and th yeah. and then the other thing too was um, I didn't know if I was going to even go with Konami either too because uh, it was it was great but and I, th I think if i would have negotiated better especially with that price it could have worked out but another thing is they wanted to own the ip and that i had a problem with and, the re and i'm gonna say the reason why was because um so they were only going to give me so these are the stipulations i was i was only going to have one year to make the game which wasn't a lot of time <laughs> uh i need at least needed two um and then they were going to fully own the ip so what was going to happen is um, yeah, my name, my name would have been on the game, but I would have been on the game as a developer. I, I just, I just somebody that, that helped program the game, but, but the game would have been Konami's project. So they would have put it out there as this is Konami's game. 
Um, but I'm but I'm gonna be in the credits as the lead programmer or whatever have you for it. You see what I'm saying? Um, or the lead or the lead developer. So um, so I would have had money in my pocket, but I but I still would have been in a in a place. I felt like I, I felt like I was still been in a place where nobody knew who I was. Well, what you could have done is negotiated royalties if you didn't right. give up the IP. But in reality, right. the, the idea of owning the IP isn't the idea mm -hmm. of owning the IP. The idea of owning the IP is who gets the paycheck at the end of the day. Right. And so whether uh, it's Konami's name mm -hmm. on it or, or Toto Force or whoever, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's who gets the royalty distributions and in, in infinitum that matters. Right. And and you know some of those things you know, and I, I agree with some of that. Um, some of those, some of those things I uh, I didn't know at the time. Um so but like and uh, I agree with some of that, but now the part where I don't necessarily agree with it, agree with it is because um I was reading between the lines of what they were saying to me. And um, and it's based on the conversation. Like I can't. It's been a while, so I can't remember everything how, how everything was said. But based on um, what I was gathering from everything was, they were saying that we want your product, but we don't want you. Yeah, no, that's if, exactly if, what they were saying. Right. They, they, they were literally saying we want to pay you to build the game for us mm -hmm. that we'll own, and it'll be our game, and we'll give you right. five and a gold star for playing, and your name will be on it. Right, and, and right. that'll be it. But the catch right. to it that is, and where this comes back to kick them straight in the nuts is, if they want number two title, if the game does extremely well, in order to have number two title, they have to have you. But then right. your first counter is as well. I don't have any financial interests in title number two because I don't own the IP. So why would I be motivated to make title number two when I can simply go make a totally different game altogether? Exactly, the capital I now have. And, exactly. and that's when you can turn it back around and hit them with the royalties um, uh, check requirement for all mm -hmm. the royalties for the game that they initially had produced with Title One, And, and right. that's a check that that's hard to swallow for companies, but if they want Title Two bad enough, they'll write it. Right, right. See, I didn't know that at the time. You know, so it was like, yeah. you know, so... Imagine, um, imagine telling mm -hmm. CD Projekt Red, no, we're not going to back Witcher 2, which mm -hmm. sold more than Witcher 1. Right. <laughs> Right, and, and you know, you know something too. To swallow. <laughs> right, you, you know something too. I, th I think, um, I think they saw what I saw too. This, the, um, the game packs. Live stream, and you are naked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think, um, I think they saw what I saw as well. The game had so much marketing potential for when it comes to merchandise and everything, you know. And I and I saw all of this. I saw the vision for it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I saw the vision for uh, for a whole fashion line based on just just this game. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And um and I think they saw that too. You know. Um, but I mean, you live and learn. You know. So I, so I now know uh what to do and what not to do. And I'm I'm pretty sure I'm still gonna make some mistakes. But that's part of the journey. I guess it's part of the being the indie game developer. I'd rather learn and make the mistakes and then you know and then and then get screwed over at the end of the day you know right yeah. the biggest thing yeah. is not getting screwed over for your titles and and that's the thing right. I'm, I'm not a fan of with the game industry i so a bit of background about me i actually invest in the gaming industry um part of the reason why i'm building my own data centers across the u.s and into epac and uh, jpac as well as also into the uk uh, region in europe is I want to be able to be the platform provider for video games um, and be the go-to infrastructure for them as part of my investment strategy with those companies. And I just want oh, wow. a huge fucking bite out of everybody's lunch. 
um, by being a guy. It's like, I'm going to provide you developers. I'm going to provide you assets. I'm going to provide you the engines. I'm going to provide you the salaries and I'm going to provide you the infrastructure for the entire platform. And all your game has to do is make money. And, nice. Yeah, I like that. And I'll take a, a King's ransom for all of that, but right. I'll own Not a percentage basis of the, in, instead of owning the hero ATF, I'll own the mm. actual fucking industry. And so yeah. I'll be one of the largest players in, in, in the game. And right now I'm buying more hardware to move towards that very quickly. Um, I love that. Yeah, but I want to own a percentage basis of the industry. The way I see it is simple. If I own twenty percent of every MMO, I'm I'm doing pretty damn good. Life is life is good. No, I love I love that. No, that's that's great. Yeah, so like so you like yeah you you, you know you have this one thing that they want to need. So yeah. you're like going going some like but look look what I got. I know you want this. Oh, I've got everything. I've got, right. I'll have the digital assets. I've got the storage. I got the databases. I've got the bandwidth. I've got the server. Smart. I've got the staff. I've got the support center. I've got the operation center going in. Mm -hmm. I've got geographically distributed presence across every major continent. Mm -hmm. I'll have that up here pretty soon. So I've got presence and I've got everything that you need. The only thing you have to do is build the game. No, and I love on top that. Of that I'll help you get the staff to get everything in place and I'll help you get credits so that you can get your staff at a discount. Right. I, I, I love that. I, love yeah, See, I want your game to be successful. I want you to be successful. And right. I want that because if your game is awesome, I can have a good time. <laughs> now, no, I just want to be clear about the fact that I expect that, you know, if I'm having a hard time killing this asshole, all of a sudden mm -hmm. I just magically get this badass boss weapon and all of a sudden he just disintegrates and life is <laughs> No, you know, I like that. Like, um, you, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm learning how to uh, speak the corporate language a little bit now, you know. So I'm learning that it's always about the bottom line. Oh, you know, absolutely. The, the, the bottom the, I'm, line learning, yeah, I'm, I'm learning. Yeah, I'm learning this language. So yeah, that's that's what you need to learn. If nothing else, the bottom line is the best line. Right. So so I'm so now I'm learning how to once I once I start getting into these spaces. I'm learning how, like this. This I'm gonna tell you. This is how I would work for for these major companies if I, if I could, right? I'd be like this. Um, you know, I see that your uh your Call of Duty game did good, but it's not doing as good as it was in this quarter. And I think the reason why is because it's, it's missing some some creative flair, you know. So I can give you, I can bring that creativity to your product while saving you money in the process. You, you know what I'm saying? Because like, because y'all need some creative coaching. Like, that's, that's what I, feel like. I feel like a lot of these games need creative coaching. And if I could do something, if I could do one thing, that's what I want to do. I, I can, I could take your game from this and make it into this, just by just by just by tweaking a few things. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm all about innovativeness and and uh, and just just bringing like a little creative pop to anything. You know, because I, I feel like anything can use it. And if you if you add a little bit of flair to anything, you can make the worst game a good game. Well, the, I would say the biggest issue with the industry is the instability. Mm. That's why I want to absorb all the major players. Mm. And they're guaranteed stability. If they have guaranteed stability, they don't ask for as much money. You got to think about it. If the top, if the top 10 yep. and top 25%, according to Pareto Principle and, and the Price Law, are contributing 70 to 90% of the game's overall content and quality, and they're constantly worried about what title they're going to be able to work on next or if they're even going to have a job tomorrow or next right. after this crunch session, then they're going to ask for a lot more money because they have to take into consideration being unemployed for six to eight months, which mm -hmm. is for them. And I have never agreed with that. And so yeah. I would much rather absorb all of the players and then have them under one household 
and then just let them mm -hmm. as many titles as they want to without the concern of a non-compete. And yeah. I don't care what title of mine you're working on. You're you're making me money no matter what. What bucket you're in is irrelevant. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, when I first uh, really started digging into uh, the game industry uh, um, and started learning how things work, I was very surprised to find out that um, it's really project to project based. You it know is. what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I was really like, I'm happy because of that. Yeah, I'm like that kind of sucks. Like, so I, I'm I'm just using myself as an example. Say if it took me, say if I finally got a this great job offer by uh, uh, Square Enix, you know. Um, and, and then and then they'd be like, oh, no, I'm excited. I'm like, I work for Square Enix now. You know, Square. You know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm all feeling myself. You know, and and then they'd be like, oh, but this project only lasts for six months. I'm like, yeah. What, what, what I'm gonna do for the next six months of the year? You know, what exactly. I'm saying? I, that that's terrifying. I don't like that. So well, I'm sure exactly, I'm right exactly the mindset. That's why right. they have so many overruns is because people are trying to milk the project for every dollar of every dime. And right. Have Fifteen projects lined up for you. You're going to feel pressured to get the project done so you can move on to the next project. You already have another job. You're not wasting your time on that project. Right. You're getting the project done and then moving to the next project, to the next project, to the next project because you right. have Yeah, and th th that is a problem because you because I don't I wouldn't feel really uh stable in that. You know, I always feel like I always feel like I need to have a uh something something else on the side. I, so, I feel like okay, you know. Thing quick thing from the from the community uh squared mo i would actually say the problem is people they're rotating based on skill but what they really need to be doing is rotating based on passions if you're passionate mm. for an mmo and you're working on a puzzle game you're not going to be happy people who love what they do they will not leave work because you can't make them unless you either have kids or you put a gun to their head to force them to leave Mm -hmm. And that's the distinctive difference is what the bosses of the industry as a bosses is a relative term have failed to realize is what they have to do is to create an environment where people want to be there. And if you do that, crunch time is no longer a thing. People are just working over because they want to work over, they want to. not because they have to work over because, oh, we've only got two weeks to get to this deadline. No, it's like we've already cleared the six major flags for this track and the previous other five major flags for the project. And we're six months in advance of project deadlines because of the fact that people won't leave work. They're, they're too damn happy. And we've done Uber mm -hmm. to the point where they just leave a bus here now. Yep. No, that, that's, that's, that's so true. Like, like, um, it's, it's, it's like a fire, you know, you guys, you guys ever played, a uh, um, uh, legends of the breath of the wild. Oh my God! I haven't yet. You ruined that okay. game. I swear, I will find you and I will isekai your ass. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not going to tell you nothing, but I'm sure I'm sure you've seen the mechanic where, they, where you start you can start a little fire and it spreads yeah. and everything. So yeah. it's it's a lot like that. When you're passionate about something, you start That's a right. fire. That that spread right. fire starts spreading like start, start spreading like crazy. The next thing you know, it's, it's fire over here, fire over here, it's fire everywhere. You know, yeah. so so you so you said so you can tell so one of your coworkers. So like, yeah, I stayed I stayed uh late last night working on it. I was having fun, so I stayed late last night working on this this uh this, this screen stretching uh a, a screen stretching ability. And you know, and then somebody be like, you know what? I was just doing some art for that. You know, so they so happen to be working on the same thing without even talking to each and other. Now they start you know collaborating. Right, you see what I'm saying? And it just kind of just. So when, yeah, when, you, when you're really passionate about something, stuff like that starts to happen where all y'all are in sync and you don't even know it. 
Well, that's you know, why Riot Games does Thunderdome in the first place is because it allows for exactly that to happen. Creativity is lit on fire by default. And yeah. They let the fires burn out of control within a controlled environment because you right. have that controlled parameter for corporate for cost controls. Mm -hmm. But when you light those fires, very, very quickly, the fires start to merge by default. Yeah, and end yeah. up with a product that ends up as a profitable bottom line at the end of that. And then all you have to do from that point is we have a viable product. It looks cool. It looks interesting. What's the adoption of the market and how does that translate to dollars? That mm -hmm. component right there is where most tech people completely fail. Right. The cool idea. The technology works. It's viable to scale. What they did not do was what is the market fit and what is the translation to dollars on that? When it comes to bottom line, bosses at the top of the food chain, they want to know two things. How much am I spending? How much am I making? What is mm -hmm. that ratio? If it doesn't exceed two or three or four or five or ten based on the industry, it's a non-starter to begin with because it's too right. much headache and not worth – the juice isn't worth the squeeze is the simple Right. Story. Right. I like that. I like that saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to pitch it to where the juice is worth the squeeze. $80,000 game to Konami with one person making it, cranking it out within a year. Even if the game bottoms out for less than a million and only sells 800K, they 10X their return. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's true. That's true. And I wish I would have knew this. Because so if I would have negotiated, the only thing I would have would have probably really negotiated, and if I didn't take that terrible advice, I would have to negotiate for a little bit more time. Just a little well, bit. I would have <laughs> said, what I, if I was you, what I would have said was this. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, look, I can make this game. And I can make it for 80K. And I can make it in six months. But this is where the quality is going to be. And this is where the expected sales are going to be. However, mm -hmm. if I spend 80K in 12 months, quality is going to be a little bit higher. And the differential on sales will be X. Right. However, for 160K, I can go and hire a network programmer. And I can make it an MMO. And that's mm -hmm. as a three to seven times multiplier on your baseline revenue. And right. Baseline revenue was already six X on your 80 K investment. That's 480 at 10 X on that's 4.8 million. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't notice that. Somebody I know now. So I want to talk to them in numbers because yeah. ultimately comp I'm not saying that these game companies are heartless, but at the end mm -hmm. of the day, they do have – it's a hard place to be because as a manager, you want to support not only your industry but also your staff. As mm -hmm. a leader, you want to advocate for your people and their career growth. With the industry perspective, you want to push as much passion and you want to throw as many things at the wall as you can as long as it makes sense because you want to see what sticks. But at the end of the day, companies only have so many dollars. Mm -hmm. Companies only have so many cycles. They only have so many man hours, and they can only spend so many of X, Y, and Z in combination to collectively, comprehensively package one X, whatever X is, whether it's a book or a movie or a game or a new product. It doesn't matter. They mm -hmm. have they have a form factor templated requirement of it's going to cost us about three thousand hours from marketing. And that's going to be at a rate of $83.17 an hour. They have these numbers on hand. Management keeps them on hand. 
yeah. very good management and leadership, they know their numbers very well. Because then I can sit down as a good leader and say, hey, I know that my deliverable is a 99.69 deliverable requirement. Contract value is $1,527 per hour. Billable mandated um, minimum man hours and manpower is no less than 10 seats at a 2080 cycle. And so that's my minimum deliverable. That has a minimum cost associated with it. So the revenue return has to be in excess of that by at least a multiplier. Typically, it's a 1.5x multiplier of base. Mm -hmm. If I make $10 million in cost, I need to generate at least $15 million in revenue just to be able to get it past a tier two leadership. And so when you start talking to three and a four X multiplier, that very quickly climbs the food chain because they just say, what's the base numbers in the initial meeting? And it's like, oh, it's only going to give you 1.5 X. That's not going to get past your D2. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's got a four, a four X, five X return rate. And that's a hundred, 200 percent above normal threshold because that's where they're at when they're not looking at just you. They're looking at the other 200 games that they could fund. And mm. the threshold of estimated returns is between 100 and 300 percent. And out of fucking nowhere, there's this dude with a 3000 percent return ratio. That guy is the number one conversation piece for the mm. months. And there's not a question of if he's getting funded. It's how many of these other budgets are we going to cannibalize to make that one a reality? Right. That's right. where you have to be is how do you stand out in terms of returns? And more importantly, how can you empirically demonstrate that? It's, hey, if I have a 4% capture rate, statistical average capture rate is 8%. So my numbers are already minus 50% conservative. Based on all of these outputs and all of these methods of calculation, even on a conservative basis with these qualities and these characteristics targeting these groups and these regions and these age categories and these types of players and this demographic of these major 200 counties, I'm going to capture X percentage of dollars of this overall collective market of we'll say 5 billion. If it's 10%, I'm going to capture 500 million. If it costs me 200 million to make the title, I'm making 500 million. I've got a 2.5 X return rate. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm just, uh, I was looking at the, um, the message here, the Tech Tokyo Theater. He said something kind of really interesting. He says, uh, mm -hmm. well, creative uh, creative types need business types, uh, type grounding. Oh, wait, how you go? To keep grounded uh, and focused. Yeah. 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 Business, so yeah, yeah business. run a project in the no man's sky, if you don't right. in, they'll end up with a procedurally generated universe in six weeks. Yeah, uh, we skipped over a question too. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Do we miss somebody? What, what's what's your biggest piece of advice for someone of color going into the game industry? Oh, my my advice? Yeah. Um, I would probably say it's gonna, it's gonna sound crazy, but I think honestly, I think this might be it. I would say uh, if uh, you use your skin color to your advantage, um, and and the reason why I say that is because um. Because now nowadays everybody likes a storyline, you know. You know. You know what I'm saying? Everybody likes everybody likes a, a coming of age story or some type of a story. So I would say you use your color or whatever your or, or your disability use it all to your advantage. So um so I was so when I go to that interview, I will I will probably be like uh look I am a person of color. Um I know the I know the industry doesn't have a lot of representation. 
of uh, color. And so that's why I'm here trying to apply for a job at Square Enix because I want to be your representation of color. You know what I'm saying? And um, and they they're gonna look at it like you're. You said they're gonna look at it like a little bit, like okay, you kind of kissing ass a little bit, but um, but you but you may be good for uh for uh for uh for marketing. You know what I'm saying? Right yeah, for corporate, sure. so they was like, you know, so we can push, yeah, we can push you in the forefront, put you in front of all the little corporate I mean, like hangout pictures, you know, like you know? there. A better way to translate that is in terms of tax credits and tax incentives, you are more financially mm. strategic versus another non-strategically placed employee. Yeah. And the yeah. financial differences that you might have to, to end up generating in terms of costs are a insignificance relative to the amount of value add you're going to generate just in your tax credits alone. Yep. No, that, that's real. That's real. And so so they'll, they'll see, you know, because the thing is, is um, they're looking at your, they, yeah, they, they are looking at your skills, but if you can bring and how they can how they can make money or save money or or look good in the public eye, I would mention that because, well, because like, like I said, look at it from this perspective. If they find mm -hmm. two people with seventy percent of the skill sets with the right characteristics in terms of DEI, and they have the one guy that's over budget cost, mm -hmm. they get Rob Peter to pay Paul. Mm -hmm. You're seventy percent of the skill sets. We can't pay you the full market because you're not fully there. So we're gonna say if the standard market for your pay is a hundred thousand, but you've only got seventy percent of the skills, we'll offer you eighty-five to meet you halfway. Mm -hmm. But we can't pay you the full because that wouldn't be fair to your teammates. And people get that. It's you're missing a bunch of the skills, but you're good enough, and we're mm -hmm. gonna have to spend money on the training. But then we also get to countercompensate that with the fifteen on each for thirty thousand, and we get to capture the DEI credits for another thirty thousand each. So sixty thousand mm -hmm. plus the fifteen and fifteen is thirty thousand, which is ninety. And so if I go right. over to this guy over here that wants one hundred and fifty, I've got hundred ninety to play with, so mm -hmm. I can eat that hundred and fifty with a one point four x and come out with the same exact budget spend, even though I'm paying the additional taxes on top of the training for you that I'm already paying for. Which, mm -hmm. if there's certain states or certain programs you can go through, that training will also be paid for. On right. top of that, if you're in the right countries, 30% of all of your salaries for the first two to three years will be paid for anyways. And so mm -hmm. I can take that money, recycle that, and put that back in the budget as a tax credit, which I can sell immediately to capitalize on that credit. And then mm -hmm. immediately transfer that 90%, 95% of that tax credit into hiring another two or three more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm just reading what this person is. Yeah, I, I agree with Square. You should you should apply based on the merit and the passion that you bring to the table, not your DEI status. But what you can pitch from a DEI perspective is that while I want to be considered because I I'm I'm a service disabled mm -hmm. disabled veteran that's Native American. Mm -hmm. I have never once been hired for DEI and I never will. I won't accept the role if I'm being hired specifically for being someone's token. I want to be hired because I'm qualified for the job. No, I, no absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is this is, um, unfortunately we can't, we can't always make the rules on how we get in the door. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes oh, yeah. you gotta take, so sometimes you gotta take advantage of that door that's presented to you. So, um, so like I said, everybody nowadays, they, they love a sob story. They, everybody nowadays, they, they love, they love anything that can make them look good. They'll take it. I guarantee you, um, if I was to write, if I was to write a letter to um, IGN, 
and I'm saying, hi, hi, I, I am a uh, game developer, you know, trying to get trying to get off the ground. Could you, would you guys be willing to write an article about me? Um, they'll, 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 but they'll, they'll be less likely to listen to that versus me saying, I am a disabled uh, game designer uh, that's also that's also black, and I'm dying, and I might I might die in three weeks. Um, and I'm and I've been trying to, you know, I'm trying to build some buzz on a game that I've been working on before I pass away. They will pick up that story because it looks good. You see what I'm saying? So I'm so I'm all I'm saying is uh, all I'm saying is that sometimes those advantage sometimes uh, your advantage is is your limitations that you have to yes you have to play 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 with to to get what you need. And I'm and I'm and I'm, so, and I'm telling you this I'm telling you this too. Uh, I'm gonna give you a good example of this. The the last event I did that the event I told you about where they were where they were all focusing on black game developers right. Um, uh, I didn't play. I didn't play the game they wanted me. The, the game they wanted me to play. So if I would have played the game they wanted me to play properly, my I, I probably would have had I had had bigger had bigger bigger headlines, right? So they what gave. So they gave. They want you to play San Andreas or something? No. <laughs> what I, what I mean is I didn't say the things they wanted me to say. But I know uh, if I said it, I, yeah, I knew. If, I knew if I if I but now I know if I would have said the things they wanted me to say, they would have gave me the bigger the bigger uh, the bigger spots in the uh, in the article. Right, because I'm because when I'm looking through the article, because I was reading the article and uh, I saw the, the, what the other developers were saying versus what I was saying. Um, so they were asking me, so how do you feel about being black in the game industry? I said, well, I have well, what I was saying was, well, I haven't really ran into any issues with that because I'm an indie game developer, you know. So I'm just so you know, I'm just you know, I'm just just doing me. I haven't really had too many problems. I don't have I have I faced any racism in, in the game industry? No, not necessarily. I was so I, I wasn't telling them the story they wanted to tell. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But the other the other developers, they were like, so have you faced any racism? Like, oh yes, I were yes. There were times where um I couldn't even eat my lunch without someone uh, looking down. Five hundred studios and they're just you, like, you see what I'm saying? And, and go away, get back on the reservation. <laughs> right. You see what I'm saying? So because I wasn't feeding into the story they wanted to tell. Um, I, my, uh, I had the parts of my article was, wasn't, was very small and wasn't, it, it, it was less focused on, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, and as, as sad as that sounds, sometimes you got to play that, you got to play their game to, uh, to get in the door. And then once you get in the door, that's when you can do the switch. And it's like, now that I'm in the door, this is who I am. You know, yeah, you, 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 you brought me in here for this. Out. I'm going to show you, I'm, I'm going to show you what I can really do. Yeah. But you'd have to sell yourself out. Right. Um, sometimes. Right. What, and, I, and I'm not saying of your integrity. And, right, and right. Me, that's non-negotiable. I've been right, right, right. a lot of money right. in the past, and I won't take it if I have to sacrifice my integrity. Exactly. I'm not, right. that's, exactly. I'm not telling you to sell your soul, but what I am telling you is sometimes you got you got to you got to play the game a little bit. You know, what I'm saying you got you got to you got to spar a little bit before you take the real punch. You see what I'm saying? And before you throw that real punch, you know what I'm saying? And so, so sometimes you got to do a little dance for them. And then, so, and then, get, and then, so what I should do is apply at Bethesda and put on my full Native American ceremonial dress. <laughs> and then when I'm doing my live stream interview, if they don't hire me, I can just be like, they didn't hire me because I'm Native American. And then all of a sudden I get a job offer. <laughs> I hope not. I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't know. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want you to do all that, but but I don't know. It's you, you know, you got to scalp them. Scalp them socially. I'm done. Yeah, you, you got it. Yeah, you got. You know, obviously, yeah, you don't want to. You know, you don't want to black them or nothing that. like that. But yeah, it, it's just kind of the the wisdom. You gotta, it's, it's, you gotta have that wisdom to know what they want to hear versus what you know. So unfortunately, sometimes you can't always be real. Yeah. You got, you got to be, you got to be a little fake. 
but my, you know, my thing is this do you really want to work for a company that would rather you be fake than be your true self absolutely not and that's why i'm an indie game designer and that's why i'm building <laughs> for companies is i will never change who i am i'm gonna exactly. support my goals based on passion and not based on the metrics because mm -hmm. my my theory is this the entire industry is wrong mm -hmm. because if you actually stop don't look at call of duty don't look at mm -hmm. overwatch don't look at minecraft look at the players and listen to what they say i've played this title a thousand thousand times i've played mm -hmm. this game already i've played that game already mm -hmm. games that are coming out with totally new concepts that's what people are running to exactly and that's the issue is the industry isn't mm -hmm. supporting their player base that's their customer and i think if they if somebody came out with a new game a new concept mm -hmm. it will explode in popularity that's why no man's sky did so damn well people mm -hmm. are like, oh my God, this game's doing so good why is it so good it's not even finished it's right it's a new game and it's not because it's unfinished it's because it's a new concept right right absolute freedom right that, that was open world to a parallel that no one had even considered before the universe is factually infinite mm. and, and that's the distinctive difference is that was novel if you take that construct and you just throw money at it it's like come up with every idea and i'll support it Ooh, how buddy. much i support it is based on how well you do and how well you perform i want to be on your team because you know it's like you, exactly. you know you know you know exactly what what, what you need yeah absolutely yeah. but everybody wants to be on your team and that's the position you want to be in is you want to mm -hmm. build an environment where everybody wants to be there because if everybody that's contributing to that area wants to be with you the money will come naturally and that's the mistake for these studios that they keep making is they're so focused on if we make literally anything other than assassin's creed number 79 mm -hmm. Call of Duty number 219 water warcraft number 45 mm -hmm. and then we're not going to get any investors this game's going to flop and it's going to be a disaster i've bought yeah. games simply because they looked interesting boy right. was one of them and I was bored of that game in about 15 minutes, but the concept mm -hmm. looked new. So I yeah. bought the game. They've already got my money. No, I, no, you're, you're absolutely right, and and um, yeah, you, you know, it's, that's yeah, and that's the problem. Like everybody's doing the same thing, and that, that's what I'm starting nobody's to feel like. Taking any risk? Nobody, nobody, and and I and I get you know I get it you know I get you know I get the mindset of you know they don't want to they don't want to risk losing money. You know, but it's not has that's 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 what the game always been. The game always been, um, you got you got to risk money or lose money to make money, right? Well, so it's like it's controlling risk and controlling right. cost, and that's the right. mistake that they make. It's a good way to compare it. And one of the things that I do love about Amazon, which by the mm -hmm. way, I got my answer back. They said no. I oh, went through. Okay. A, I think it was thirteen interviews, and, mm -hmm. and they said no. And so, um, but one of the things that I loved about Amazon was, is they have a, they have a philosophy and a policy of yes, if mm. and your direct manager can't say no policy, uh -huh. your manager, your, your manager cannot say no. 
Mm -hmm. Other people can say no, but in order to say no, you have to provide a two-page thesis on why it's a bad idea. <laughs> Almost all of their best products, including AWS itself, has come from that program. AWS by itself can financially support all of Amazon's efforts. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the fact that they have a yes-if mindset. Right. Now, what you can say with any project is, sure, we'll give you an initial contained budget of, we'll say container one alpha. And mm -hmm. that one alpha budget is a POC budget, not greater than $1 million. Your liability is contained to $1 million. Submit me a budget. It must be within $1 million. Finished or unfinished, it will be in that parameter, period. Mm -hmm. Six months, $1 million, 15 mans. We'll say 180 by 40 is 1040 hours. Mm -hmm. by 10, so 10,400 hours, not greater than. And you have to be done or as done as you can be. And right. that goes to an assessment committee. And then that goes immediately to um, a marketing committee that goes out and does um, some kind of market assay of some type or series of types that goes out and they vet the game to see what the buy-in from the, the, the consumer base is. They take mm -hmm. a, of a couple samplings of a couple regions. And if the samplings come back positive, you move to the two alpha stage. Mm -hmm. We give you another 2.5 million more dollars to progress the content further. Mm -hmm. And we'll give you a not greater than 20,800 20, hours for an additional year and an additional 2.5 times initial budget uh, of 1.5, sorry, 1.5x for a total. No, it's 2.5x. So you'd have a total of 3.5 million dollars and roughly 30,000 man hours spent on it. So, so but, Logan, what, what, what would you uh, recommend Ricardo do to really uh, get his game in front of these developers so they can pick it up? To pick it up, you got to have something for them to grab. If I hand mm -hmm. you a perfectly smooth box, what side do you grab? Mm, that's interesting. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You're actually asking me that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I give you a perfectly smooth box, what side do you grab? I don't know. I mean, if it's perfectly smooth, I guess I'll just pick it up from the bottom. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's the only way I can hold it. Perfectly right? smooth. You can't pick it up. Yeah. It's a perfectly smooth box. Perfectly smooth boxes are theoretical boxes, which makes mm -hmm. them impossible to lift. Mm -hmm. Almost every box has some kind of friction because it's not a perfectly smooth. Oh, so mm -hmm. And most people, because of that, leverage gravity because it's the, the leverage point of least resistance because the box is naturally pushing down against your hands. Mm -hmm. And so that's what makes it easy to lift. However, it's easier to lift a box if you install handles. You give right. them something to grab. Mm. Now, how many points you give them to grab determines how many people can try to lift the box together. Mm. If I give you a box that's easy to lift from a marketing perspective, that's fantastic. But if business doesn't have anything to grab, they can't help lift the box. Right. You want to no, put handles for everybody, whether it's investors or business or marketing or sales mm. or community. You want to make it to where everyone can easily lift this box. Give them a good story so community and sales can easily pitch it. 
give them a good defined marketing demographic so that the business side can easily sell that to the investment side and the upper management and leadership. Make it to where it's easy for investors to buy in by saying, here's the historical performance of the players. Hey, the lead developer was a guy that we got from a AAA studio who's got eight different multi-hundred million dollar titles under his belt. Mm -hmm. Leading the project. He has a predefined history of success with certified metrics that have been publicly registered. There are databases you can access that says this is the game, this is the name, these are the players who are involved, this is how much it generated, this is how much it cost, this was your return. You have somebody with five or six of those kinds of titles behind it. The buy-in from investment, very easy. Hey, this guy's got a track record of eight different titles. Mm -hmm. Average multiplier is 1.5 to 6.5x. Even if I average that on the low end, conservatively, I'm making 2x on my money within a three-year time frame. Life is good. You go from that perspective and you go to business and say, hey, this is the kind of game we want to make. Here's the overall interest from the historical games in that likeness for mm -hmm. this category component, for this category component, for that category component. And then we're going to add some new stuff on top of that to add some extra flavor and make it new and unique and innovative. Right. That mm -hmm. piece has no measurable characteristics, which is fantastic because the other three do. And they'll just use that assumption on these pieces and say that's the pitch for marketing as to why you're going to buy the game. And we don't need metrics for that because we have metrics for this. And mm -hmm. that's a marketing's problem, not mine. And that's how business will see it. I've got numbers. I've got numbers. I've got numbers in my BI. I don't know what the hell to call that. It's a giraffe with the ears of an elephant and pterodactyl wings. <laughs> I don't even know what to call that thing. That's a marketing problem. But then marketing can go out and say, you know what? People like to ride dragons and everyone's wanted a unicorn for a long time. So mm -hmm. ask 10,000 players what they think and ship them a demo. And out of that feedback, 7,000 people like it. Well, fantastic. If 7,000 people like it and half of them are professional streamers and 30% of their fan base will buy in, that's a million people, $30 a title. Well, we've got $30 million minimum that we're staring at from that component alone. Not mm -hmm. numbers from the other pieces. So if we just sold them the elephant ears with the pterodactyl wings on the giraffe, we're making at least $30 million just from that. And then the estimated numbers from all these other features, we've got another median average of $240 million. Total title value is $270. If we budget $100, we are over 30%, $130. Our net's $140 million, assuming we hit our median metrics. Conservatively, we're going to make $100 million. Yeah, Ricardo, do you have a, a trailer for uh, any of your games? Like, uh, I know the audience probably wants to check that out. Yeah, sure. Uh, let me see. I, I can't. Can I put anything in the chat? Yeah, you can, uh, yeah, you, you can play it. I'll do the, the screen share. Hey, man, I almost wound up in Sound of Freedom oh. the second. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you said so I could play it and then you can do a screen share? Uh, you, you can send me the link and I'll play oh, it. I'll send you the link. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let me, let me do that. Let me get that up. Give me a second. Oh, Lord. Oh, okay, there you go. But yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm going to pause. My, my face probably going to pause, but I'm still here, though, if it pauses. Okay. No, yeah. He broke. Okay. All right, right, right. Lags, buggy, randomly drops out and disconnects you. 
<laughs> but but you're you know, you're making a lot of uh a lot of like really good points. Um I think uh let me second here. It's gotta work for yeah. everybody. That's always yeah, the yeah. Is it's gotta work for everybody. And the biggest thing is, is it's gotta work for you. Absolutely, absolutely. At the end of the day, what's in it for you? Because if there's nothing on the table left for you, then there's no point in you doing it. No, yeah, no, no, absolutely, dude. Like, and um, yeah. See, like, like it's it's, it's so crazy because um, like I, I don't know. I feel like uh, geez, I'm, I'm getting track of my thoughts. Sorry, I'm trying to do five things at once here. Give me one second. All right, I'm about to get ready to share share the link to your uh. Well, I guess I put it. In he broke it. <laughs> he broke it. And we're okay. all yeah. doomed. Let's see. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> yeah, I guess we can wait till he comes back before I play this. All right, so all right, yeah. So that yeah, the one I sent you, that was that was the one that uh Konami was interested in. Okay. Yeah, let me yeah project, your project remix. Play it, play it. Okay, here we go. And this, this is like a like a little three minute gameplay trailer, so you can kind of just get the gist of it. Three minutes. And what is this? A strip club? A three minutes. I need at least a one hour demo. So if you don't mind walking us through uh, like what we're seeing here. Okay, yeah, so this is like a Does it dodge so much out of energy? So this is like the uh uh, this, this is like a tutorial uh, area, so um, yeah, so so yeah, so basically the uh, it's, I guess in a way it's like an isekai. He, uh, this, is like a, this is like a Kirby meets uh, Sonic type thing. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I've heard that comparison before. So so basically, what happened is at the beginning of the at the beginning of the game in the story, he actually died. So uh, yeah, so 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 um, so 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 when he died, he um he got transported to this uh. Almost like this upside down version of, of of the real world. So right now he's he's kind of just fighting, he's fighting his way out. Um. So so in, in this game, uh, you, you're gonna do. There's gonna be a lot of you jumping between the uh the the, uh, the real world and this world. Yeah. So uh, okay. So the so the character here, his name is um, his name is Bento. So he uh he uh he has the ability to uh to uh, teleport, aka skip. So, uh, so, so this whole this whole game in this world was based on, was uh, completely centered around music. So, um, so his powers was uh, represented by the skip button. So he can he can teleport slash skip to wherever he throws his baseball bat to. Oh, interesting. This called a uh, Project Remix. Yeah. Can uh, people download and play this like on Steam? Yeah, um, it's not it's not on Steam. It's on it's on itch.io. I, I could put I could paste that in there. They can put it in the chat as well. Yeah, I'll paste that in there so you can put it in the chat. But yeah, the game's completely free. Right. See, that's a mistake. Oh, what'd you say, Logan? That's his mistake. Well, what, uh, that is not on Steam? No, that is free. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looks good, man. a dollar for it. Well, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't feel comfortable at the time charging for it because it was only just a demo. No, you should definitely charge a dollar for it. And here's why. Okay. 
people don't like free games because they typically think free games suck. Ah. But they do like cheap games. And so a dollar is practically free, but it's not actually free. But it's so cheap, no one cares if it sucks. Right, that's what you But what you can say is, is this is levels 1 through, we'll say, 15. And mm -hmm. I don't even know how many levels are here, but we'll say 1 through 15 for simplicity. And let them know, it's like, hey, I'm a solo indie developer, and I'm looking to make this my full-time job, and paying allows me to make the rest of the game. And so they're effectively supporting you as an artist directly to develop the rest of the content. You're being paid. Uh, but because it's only a dollar, no one cares. Not really. Right. But having that dollar from a million players gives you a million dollars, which crushes your 80K budget for Konami. Mm -hmm. Now you own 100% of the IP. You've already made a million dollars. The game is being finished. You already have the budget to hire a team, and you could make your next five different games simultaneously. Yeah, and from being a single title to a studio, you produce mm -hmm. five more games like that, and you have enough money to make a significant title. One significant title. Personally, mm -hmm. I'd recommend making three moderate titles that each are a subscription-based game, so that you have three different revenue sources, so you can make one large title mm -hmm. so that you have the manpower. Right, right. So, did you yeah. know how he, how we can get his game on Steam? I mean, you could just go to to the green light program. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, yeah, I yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty aware of that. I just uh, at the time I, when I was working on that, I wasn't. Um, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. So, like I said, a lot of a lot of when I was working on that particular game, it was a lot of trial and error and me just learning uh, different things. Yeah. So, because uh, so yeah, I know that now. So the so the game so the so the new game I'm working on now I'm doing everything different. So uh so so one thing I'm doing is because one of the things I was having trouble with was, um, getting the attention of people towards the game. You know um that's because I didn't do it from the beginning. You know what I'm saying um number one. So by the time by the time I try to try to get people interested in the game, the game was already halfway done. The demo was already halfway done. You see what I'm saying? Um because I saw I didn't know what I was doing with that. So now with this new game I'm working on, um I started um. I made a whole TikTok for it, and yeah. that's why that's why that's why I get most of my attention is on TikTok. Um, Instagram doesn't do anything for me. TikTok does. Well, Instagram is just yeah. Well, I won't say what Instagram is. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, that says what Instagram is. If you really want a good idea, here's mm -hmm. what I would recommend: mm -hmm. go to TikTok, which is where your user base is. Yeah. And say I've got, we'll say three, maybe five. Pick your top three to five ideas flush out the top five and say hey look these are the five titles i'm thinking about making mm -hmm. out of the five which three would you support me building mm -hmm. and then make each of them one to five dollars a piece and then based on which one makes the most revenue that's your primary secondary and our tertiary focus 30%, 30%, or 50%, 30%, 20%. Primary, secondary, artificiary. And each one still gets made. Each one still gets updates. Each one still gets what they paid for. But the one that made the most money is the one that gets the most attention. And people like mm -hmm. that, hey, if I've got 50,000 people paying me for this game, 
it's not fair to ignore 50,000 people for the only 5,000 that paid for this one. Mm -hmm. that, as long as they understand, hey, I'm still rolling out content, there's still a development program for that. There's still development progress being made. It's just that it's not the primary because it doesn't make the most money. And as a small or one or solo studio, I need that revenue in order mm -hmm. to make ends meet so I can keep making all the games. People are more reasonable than people think as long as they know the content's being made, bugs are being worked on, the mm -hmm. game developed, especially if you're small. If you're small and you're making three games, dude, they are totally behind you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but yeah, that's as a perfect example, how mm -hmm. many updates were pushed to We Happy Few as it had been sold, like, what, several years in advance? How mm -hmm. many years in advance was, was No Man's Sky paid for? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. what is your next game? Is it the fighting game you were talking about? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's a fighting game. Um, the name of the game is called Fizz Out. And, uh, yeah, um, I don't have a trailer for that yet because I'm, I'm just kind of been, I'm just showing a development process. So I've been uh like showing like little uh like little clips of that and everything so it's uh that one is pretty good let me see i can i think i can see some stuff with that maybe you can play a little bit of okay. that let me see um let me see right here but yeah yeah I, yeah i've been uh yeah i started working on this game uh i, I can't oh i started uh brainstorming the idea uh for the game uh, um like a like about like over the well at the beginning of um i want to say the beginning of uh, in january beginning of the year I started just kind of coming up with like little ideas for here and there. And then I was like, uh, then once February here, I was like, you know, I'm going to start working on it, you know? So um, I like the idea enough and the characters enough. And, um, but yeah, people, are, so on TikTok, it seems like people are really gravitating towards the, uh, the, uh, the characters and everything. So um, um, like, cause I get a lot of like responses on TikTok for it. So, um, so it's very, yeah. So I, I, so I, so I definitely feel like uh, this is like, okay, yeah, this, this is it. This is the new joint right here. Because um, just because of the just just because of like how people are responding to it, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's just a, it, and the crazy part is it's just the characters. Like I haven't really even shown any gameplay. Oh wow! So are, are you planning on like releasing a line of merchandise since it seems to really uh, gain traction? I think you froze up here. You mentioned merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Nike froze the progress as they're trying to figure out how they can capitalize on that. <laughs> they broke his connection so they can make more money. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, let's get this one going. Okay. Share my uh, are, are you back with us, Ricardo? Yes. All right, there you go. Okay, okay. so yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. So so so, so yeah. This is oh. oh yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, uh, can you walk us through this? Uh yeah, probably a little loud. Uh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was just just kind of just showing the this, the character design uh, process, just me working on the characters and everything. So Good. um, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. you want to sell it. This is how right. you want to sell it. It's like, hey, look, it's like you're buying the. If I tell you you're buying the founders edition of, we'll say, Mirage, 
mm-hmm. buying the founder's edition of Mirage. Not really. This is what Assassin's Creed number eight or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. are you gonna be able? But you start to like, yeah, this is the founder's edition. Here's me drawing the first character. Here's right. a video of me building the first boss. Here's the here's a, a a bug where I was fighting that boss, and all of a sudden my character just literally fell through the floor. Like, right, right. Like, those are the kinds of things that players really like to buy into. Is it's 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 the novelty of the experience of literally watching the game be built. Uh, a perfect, uh, more relatable event would be like. I was building a salon, and the salon had a hole in the ceiling at when we were first building it, when we were already servicing customers. And I want to say that salon, that the size of that hole was, I want to say, eight by like nine feet. Like, cables were hanging through it. The building had concrete floors. The walls weren't painted or finished. The water didn't run all the way. We had these water bottles some days. Like, but people love to come there. One, because of the outcome. Two, because of the experience. And three, because of being part of the journey. That's right. part of the gaming industry that's completely abandoned is being part of the journey. That's the number one mistake of the small studios in terms of the community outreach that they always screw up. Is I would spend three, four times more to be part of the journey than to be part of the finished product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, I, I understand that now, you know, so it's like, so number five otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so that's what it seems like people are really, um, like, so I haven't even shown the game and people already love the, uh, the, the two characters I've shown. So I'm, I'm definitely going to push that, you know? So, um, so I'm, I'm already thinking about, um, you know, how, like when I'm ready to pitch this to a company, the the different angles I could take. I could tell, I can, you know, I could take the one one approach of, hey, look, I, I I'm bringing you a game, but this is a franchise, okay? No, 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 no. You're not bringing them a game. Mm-hmm. You're bringing them an experience. Okay, I'm bringing you an experience. Okay, um, and and this experience can branch out into uh, multiple things. Like I can, like art, like I can show them proof of, look, this is a. Uh, we can do a manga. We can do an anime. We can do all of these things because based on based on based on my market research, Mike. people love Mike. the character. You're bringing a following. Mm-hmm. You're bringing an experience that already has the following. Okay. That's already headed in several directions. Right. They already want title number two. They're already mm-hmm. asking for update number one. Map pack number three. They're already asking for characters five, six, and seven. Right. They're already talking about when are you going to do the second title? We want more boss fights. What happens in the story? You're selling a journey. Mm -hmm. And when they hear journey, they hear multiple titles. Right. Not investing in this for one title. This is something with a following that's already going places. At that point, I'm already hearing titles two, titles three, maybe even titles four. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing something that's got depth to it. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I'm going to ask you for after that is your metrics. That's where you want to have those numbers. It's like, hey, look, 
I've already gotten people, a million people, to pay a dollar to buy the game. Mm -hmm. They don't hear a dollar. What they heard was is you got a million sales. Now, you got a million sales at a dollar, but the product was ready to be delivered. They can pay the other 29 once it's finished. Mm -hmm. But then that goes from being a million dollars to $30 million mm -hmm. for Title One. No map packs, no expansion packs, no new boss fights, no characters, no skins, no lotto boxes. Mm -hmm. 30 mm -hmm. million, scratch. So if you made a million dollars on that first title, are, are you going to go to a big publisher or are you just going to say, nah, I, I made a million, I'm going to just stay independent? Um, I'll probably go to a, pub, a, a big publisher if I feel like they could take it in a place that I can't. Um, or, they could take, or if they could take it to a bigger market that I can't necessarily reach. Um, but that, that all, that's all relative because, um, like I said, with this particular uh, product, um, uh, it's funny because in comparison to my last product, my last product, I feel like it had a lot of... Um, it, it was a lot of merchandise that can come from it, but I didn't see, I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't see that as like an anime or, yeah, or, that's or a movie. The merch side. Right, right. Or a movie. But with, th with this particular thing, I could see it. Um, I could see it as all of those things. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? So, um, so if I feel like, um, you know, so if I feel like they can help get the product into a space that I can't, then I probably would still go to a publisher. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I hope we're not keeping you too far over time, man. If you got to go, just let us know. No, no, I'm good, man. We can, yeah, we can talk okay. a little So, yeah, what, 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 like, what, what are some of the lessons that you took from uh, the last title to making this title? Like, what's some of the mistakes you're avoiding? What are you continuing? Um, uh, well, I'll say mistake number one is uh, don't don't allow it to become become stressful. And yeah, um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was the biggest thing because it it shows and it shows in your in your work when you, when you're uh, when you're having fun, you know. Um, and uh, and I think the reason why people like like with this particular game, with the, the reason why people gravitate to the characters so much is because I have fun making them. You, you know what I'm saying? And that's just mm -hmm. one of the characters. It was one of the characters. That's probably my favorite character I've ever created. You know what I'm saying? Um, and well, uh, one mm -hmm. one thing I would say really quickly to add to that is what you also have is is active feedback-based development. Yeah, when true. you drop a video, hey, this, this, and this is, is what I'm working on, and this, this, and that, and they're like, oh, we really like that, we really like this, we really like that. Not really sure how I feel about the blah, blah, but all this right here is great. Mm -hmm. You have a direction to go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what's so, it's, you know, so um, interesting, too, and, um, and I'm, I'm kind of seeing hints of this now. This has been kind of oh. Yeah, I was just, I kind of see um, um, hints of it now, but um, you know, I'm also kind of uh, learning to to um, basically get rid of your my own expectations, you know, of, of how of how I think it's going to go. Because I'm gonna tell you this now, I'm you know I started working on this game and, and thinking of it as a fighting game. That was that was my initial plan was to make it a fighting game, and that's kind of still my plan, but. I am entertaining the idea of possibly changing the genre to something else, only because people people like the character so much. You know, what I'm so so since they like since they like these two characters so much, I'm I'm almost questioning myself. Well, should I make it into a different type of game versus well, the fighting? Who says you can't have both? It and starts as a fighting it. game and then it kicks off into an MMO. They yeah. escape the space they're currently in 
and they get back to the real world, but the real world isn't the real world. Or mm -hmm. it is the real world, but it's their real world. And now all of a sudden you go from being in this 2D fighting game to a 3D MMO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 you know, so I'm taking those things into account because, you know, I'm kind of, in a way, I'm, I'm almost, I, I know what I want to do, but I'm, I'm almost um, allowing the feedback to kind of almost help mold it. Not, not to completely shape it. But to kind of help me, okay, I see people are leaning towards this, so let me push it in this direction a little bit. You see what I'm saying? So um, so I think that's the one thing I do like about Say it again? They like it, throw them a bone. Right, right. So, right. And and so one thing with that with that female character, they're like, they, they like that she's, it's funny because I didn't, I, I don't design my characters to be sexual in nature, but, um, you, but, you know, but. Clothes on a female character, yeah. the game is immediately going to sell just because yeah. the female character right. has clothes. Right, because I because when when I posted when I first posted the character that the character design video on TikTok, people people was putting like little thirst trap emojis in, in there. I'm like, oh well, that wasn't my intention, but okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So uh, you know, so I'm like, okay, they like they like the waifus, you know. what I'm saying, okay, so um, you know, so that's something I can keep in mind. Like, I'm I'm not gonna take that route because I'm not gonna, you know, certain things I'm not gonna, I'm gonna look push, at when they knocked out for the fourth time in a row. Right, you're right, you know. Um, but then but then with the uh with the other character, um, the male character, um, he's like a uh he, he's like a uh, he's a, a a black he's like he's he's like a he's a monk, but he's like a black uh soda monk, but he looks so like adventurous, you know what I'm saying? So these two characters they, they're so different from each other, but they work so well together. So it's like yeah, people just they just love the characters. So that and so um so I'm so I'm kinda I'm using that as that's gonna be my, my catalyst is I want to kind of make it so every time I show a new character, I want it to be a big deal, you know. So, um, so that's what I'm learning. I'm kind of just learning um, to to kind of shift a little bit based on the feedback I'm getting, you know. So that's one thing I'm doing differently. Are, are you kind of like uh, getting uh, publishers involved early, or are you gonna wait till you have a lot more um, to show? I wish I have a lot more to show. Um, yeah, because uh, um, I. Like the the people the people like it, but the publisher is right now to them is gonna probably look like nothing. They probably see they probably like oh he's some cool characters, but where's the product? You know what I'm saying? There there isn't a product yet. You know because I'm still I'm still I'm taking my time with this mm -hmm. one. I, um, you know what I'm saying? And then um and I'm learning I'm learning some new things all, all over again. So I'm I'm kind of taking my time. So what I'm so what I'm doing is just uh I'm I'm just working on I'm I'm really just treating it treating it almost like uh it's funny okay. It's funny. So it's like I'm using the game design process to tell the story of the game at the same time. You know, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I introduce a character. Now the, I'm now I want to show I'm gonna start showing some of some of the environments. And this is gonna be the environment they go to after two characters meet for the first time. You know, so I'm kinda almost like I'm telling the story through the game through the game design process and through um and yeah, it's 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 interesting. I'm just, it's it's a completely different approach. I don't know if it's gonna work fully, but um I know the mistake I made with my last game was I didn't show enough um, of the process. I didn't show enough of the characters. Um, I didn't show enough. You know, I didn't show enough art. I just I was just showing gameplay, and that was and that wasn't enough. Do you, you have like any concerns of uh, potentially showing too much, and people are kind of like they lose the surprise factor? And also, what about like people potentially stealing your ideas? Ooh, that's always a thing. So mm, funny enough, I ain't gonna name no names, but um. Yeah, I, I already, I've, I've already had people pinch off my ideas before. I have the, the last game I showed you, Project Remix. Um, there was another game that somebody 
I, we had a conversation. We actually had a whole conversation. Um, they started pinching. Um, they, you know, and and you know, you know, they were a little bit more experienced than me in the uh, in the industry. And um, they asked me what game, what kind of game I was working on. I showed them the game, and I even showed them the uh, you know the pitch package. And the reason why I showed them all of this stuff was because you know I was trying to we were trying to do, I was trying to do some like type of collaboration project with them. I had got approached by this opportunity. And I was like, hey, they need me to put together a team. Do you want to be a part of this team? You know. And um, but this person was a lot more experienced than me. So uh, when I was you know when I was just sharing you know we were just sharing our sharing our experiences and stuff like that. And I and I showed him the, that game. I showed him the pitch package. Um, next thing I know. Well, like three three months later, he's he's working on something that looks exactly like what I just showed him. He remember he 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 saw everything. You saw what I'm saying? So he saw the pitch package and everything. So I'm sitting here like, wow, you really just just pinched off my game. And I, I confronted him about it. Of course he denied it. But uh, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, it's okay. And and the reason why the reason why I had an attitude was you you can pinch off my idea, but you can't do it like I do it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, so cool. Hey, yeah. But but it's it's some it's kind of it's kind of inevitable. It's one of, I think so. So my answer to that is uh you know obviously do what you can like the copyrights and the and the trademarks do what you can in that in that regards. But it's kind of inevitable because um you know uh, I would say if, no. I would say that's bad advice. Mm -hmm. Here's why. And I'll I'll answer two of your components at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'll start with this and then move to the second one. Mm -hmm. I'm building a plane. Mm -hmm. It can fly underwater. It can fly through the air. And mm -hmm. it can fly deep space. Mm -hmm. It's also got faster than light travel. Mm -hmm. You interested? Yeah, absolutely. That sounds amazing. I've got no graphics. I've got no artwork. Mm -hmm. I've got no marketing. But I've got a great idea. But you're mm -hmm. interested just based on the idea and the value that... Mm -hmm. You, not me, but you can conceptualize. Mm -hmm. I'm just rattling off different features of something from Star Trek plus the F-35 and a submarine. Mm -hmm. I'm just spitballing ideas here, but you bought in. Mm -hmm. It was an immediate yes because mm -hmm. it's cool. And it's multifunctional. Mm -hmm. And it's versatile. And even if one of them doesn't work, the other two do. And if nothing mm -hmm. else, it's got faster than light travel. That's something new and innovative. Mm -hmm. That's, that was my first piece. You don't mm -hmm. have to have a finished product or even close to a finished product mm -hmm. or even a demo for people mm -hmm. to buy in. What you have to have is vision. Can mm -hmm. I take what I'm seeing in my mind and put that in front of you with what I have currently? Mm -hmm. Can I get your buy-in from my vision and make my vision your idea? Because mm -hmm. it's a lot easier for me to sell you on your idea than it is for me to sell you on my idea. Mm -hmm. If it's your idea, you're not going to fight your idea because that means that you're thinking that you yourself are an idiot. And no mm -hmm. one likes to think that they're dumb. Mm -hmm. Everybody likes their own ideas. Mm -hmm. That's just how people are. And yeah. so if you can make it their idea and their vision too – it's a lot easier to sell from that perspective. The mm -hmm. issue was, is you were showing them content through gameplay. You were mm -hmm. giving them experiences versus vision. Mm -hmm. The issue is they were seeing it physically. They were experiencing it, but they can't mm -hmm. experience the entire game. It's not done yet. Mm -hmm. And so they can't see the vision 
because that's being obstructed by the demo. What mm -hmm. you want is give them the demo, the, the demo mm -hmm. after you've given them the vision. Because mm -hmm. if they see the vision first and then you give them the demo, mm -hmm. now they're starting to see the vision come to life. Mm -hmm. Versus if you give them the demo, the demo becomes the vision. And the problem with that is, is if they don't understand the demo, you've lost the vision. Mm -hmm. Forward projected, gone. Because mm -hmm. all they're going to see is the demo modified and modified and modified and modified. More levels, more stages, more bosses, more places. But it's still the same initial experience. And if I was confused about the initial experience, you're not going to clarify that later. And the mm -hmm. issue is, is if I've got 10,000 people to meet and I'm already confused about your demo, it's not going to work. And that's mm -hmm. why you're getting a lot of no's. What you want to do is say, hey, look, here's where I am community-wise. Here's where I am initial pre-sales-wise. Here's where I am projected sales-wise. Here's my market. Here's some of my graphics. Here's some of my artwork. Mm -hmm. Here's like a 30-second clip of a piece of that after you've already gotten them onto everything else. Because mm -hmm. the last piece is, is this is me delivering on the other things that I said that I would. It's mm -hmm. a an initial piece of proof of work and proof of value, proof of value demonstrated prior to proof of work of, I can actually deliver this game. And as long as this 30 second clip matches the vision, that's all that matters. The number one thing you're going to find with every AAA studio that they all have in common, the cinematics are never the game. Mm -hmm. Literally mm -hmm. never. But that's because the cinematic is a piece of the vision, not a piece of the experience. They yeah. just happen to embed the cinematics into the experience to augment what you already have. Mm -hmm. But that's why they do that. It's designed to help to fully immerse you in that experience you're already actively in. But you have, to have the vision delivered before you can even get to that because that was $10 million dollars. And graphics and, and special effects and audio engineering to even get there, you had to have a budget to land that. And so mm -hmm. that's what you're aiming for is like, hey, look, I'm not asking you for $100 million to build this AAA title. I'm asking you for $100,000 to take what I've already shown you and take that to the initial stages and see if you like it. And if we want to keep committing to that, absolutely, let's do it. And if not, let's look at some of these other projects we can also execute on that also have buy-in. Your 50, 30, 20. Mm -hmm. Because you can run multiple 50, 30, 20s. Hey, we just got funding, so we're looking at spending up additional ideas that we're putting into the hopper after we're done. After is the keyword. We're done with these. And if you start getting a bunch more following and a bunch more buy-in for these other titles, you could actually turn right back around to the studio and say, hey, look. We've got this project. It's running. It's funded for this piece. We're definitely going to finish that, but I want to let you know we've got 30 times more interest in this thing over here. What's your thoughts? Mm -hmm. Because then you can now have them buy into your second idea, and now you have two projects active in concurrency, and you have an additional budget for additional funding and additional manpower. And then you have the ability to borrow manpower between projects. Mm -hmm. Especially if your initial project is a flop, you can transfer everybody over into the second project. 
and you can borrow manpower and vice versa. That's what Elon does with his companies. He has three different companies, and they all borrow the same manpower. Because mm -hmm. of available cycles, they finish their initial core work, and then they have their auxiliary work with the other company that they work on in tandem. And so this is their 70-30 split, and they've got their primary project and their secondary project, and it keeps them across two different building charge codes. Mm-hmm. I know you've been kind of like a one-man team. Is there a reason that uh, you you haven't like you know worked with other developers? Is it because you don't want that uh, compromise um, vision? Or is it like no, no, not necessarily. I, I'll, I'll go into that so in, in one second. But let, uh, let me go back to what he was saying. But no, yeah, no, everything that he was saying, I, I could totally agree with. Now, mm -hmm. what we were talking about, we were talking about in regards to um, um, protecting your things from being stolen. That's, that's what we were talking about. So yeah, I, I agree with what he was saying, but no, I'm, I just want to go back to what I was saying in regards to that. It's kind of, it's kind of, you can't really avoid that fully. But so you, so only thing you can do is just do what you can. Is to get, is to get something, is to get, to get whatever you can trademark. But um, other than that, it's kind of inevitable. That's what, that's what the internet does. They want to, people are going to pick and pick off your ideas. You know what I'm saying, or or um, because I mean, or people are gonna be inspired by your ideas, but they're not gonna always tell you that they are. You know what I'm oh, saying? Let me ask um, you this: Have you ever seen a knockoff Tesla? Mm, no, I haven't seen one. You want to know why? Mm -hmm. All of Elon's technology inside the Tesla is open source. It's open source mm -hmm. and only available. The mm -hmm. reason why you're not seeing a knockoff is because the fact that it's advancing so quickly, no one's trying mm -hmm. to knock it off. Mm -hmm. Advancing and, and prototyping and, and second in artificiary versioning so quickly, mm -hmm. people that would want to knock it off, that would try to knock it off, can't afford to knock it off. Mm -hmm. Because by the time they get a knockoff, they're already five versions ahead of the, the, the knockoff that they made. And they're mm -hmm. out of date. You want right. something similar. Instead of spending the hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars on trademarking um, and uh, copywriting, and patenting, what you do mm -hmm. is you produce the product, and the quality is so vastly superior to what any mm -hmm. knockoff can get. You can get knockoff Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. Everybody's seen Sam's Cola. Everybody's mm -hmm. seen whatever the other ones are. I mean, Sam's Cola, the only one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. But I don't even know the names of the knockoffs, even though I walk past them all the time in Dollar General. And that's because they right. just don't compete in terms of quality. So right. I don't bother to learn their names even though i know for a fact they're half the price mm -hmm. it's the quality at the end of the day that matters back before world mm -hmm. of warcraft took a total nosedive because they stopped listening to their pve players and their interests mm -hmm. because they focused on pvp and mm -hmm. for some reason trying to go into the esports space which destroyed their business and lost them 70 percent of their customer base they just made a game that was phenomenal, and they were constantly driving great experience and great content and great vision. And because of that, there were tons of other MMOs that were out at the same time. There was Terra, there was Guild Wars, there was, um, what was it, uh, RuneScape. All those games were out there, and none of them held a candle. Darkfall, they all fell to the wayside for wow. It dominated the space. And it wasn't because of patents or copyrights or trade. Mm -hmm. It was because of the fact that they made an experience that was worth having. Okay. It wasn't mm -hmm. whether or not you played WoW. It was what did you play aside from WoW? Mm -hmm. The assumption was you already played the first. What's the second that you're also playing? 
That's where you want to be in your experience. Focus more on that. Focus on dominating that space by simply being the best experience. The money finds its way to you. Right. Now, um, so what I was saying uh, in regards to that is with this person that did pinch off my ideas, I already said already, I already said and made it clear that they didn't do it as well. Oh, we kick his ass. You know what I'm saying? So, so even though they were able to get their product fully, fully developed, as well, it didn't have the same nuances, um, or or um, or complexity as mine did. So, um, so I so I didn't even view it as I was like I was I was like okay, well that's whatever you can you can do your thing. You you can never do it like me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so what I so what I did was I just bowed out gracefully. I was like okay, well I was already done work with with this particular project. So I'm moving on to the, to the next. When it's when it's time for me to come back, so it's going to bury yours. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, so so what I so what I was saying, as far as the trademarks and stuff like that, that's that's one way you can do to try to try to protect your product. But it's inevitable. People, if if somebody's inspired by your thing, they're going to pinch off it anyway. So your best bet is to either, like you said, get it get it out there as quickly as possible with the best quality as possible, or, or uh, you know what I'm saying, or um, yeah, or or do the trademark thing. You know what I'm or saying? But know the shit out of them. Yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, that's that, that's one thing. Now I'm not going back to your your other question, uh, uh, Kevin. Uh, so the uh, so yeah, so um, yeah, I've been a, yeah, I've been the sole developer all the way until this time. Um, it's not necessarily because I wanted to. Um, you, you know, I've always expressed uh, interest in working with other people, but um, uh, if I could be honest, like I, I feel like uh, that never works out. <laughs> and it's and it's not because uh, you know I'm pretty I'm pretty easy to work with I'm very down to earth I'm very open, um, but I I think a, a couple of things happen when people start when people try to work with me is I think one of the things is because I um because I have such a passion for what I'm doing is that I, th I think they get slightly intimidated so um and um and so they always so it's, so it's always so it starts to become a competition after a while and I'm like I was, I'm like I'm not uh, I don't do this <laughs> you know what I'm saying I was like what is, like like what is it? I just wanna, I just want us to work together and make something, you know. So I started, so I started kind of feel it starts to become like a thing of people try to flex their muscles to see to see to show how much they more they know. And I'm like, no, I just want to work on something together and make something fun, you know what I'm saying? So um, so so it's not, so I, I I'm not against working with people. I will, I want to, but it's just that um, uh, it just never works out for some reason, you know. So it's so I kind of just got to the point where I was like, well, I guess I just have to do this on my own, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh. Is I, I think everybody wants to because I think I think you know what it is I'm not I'm not gonna say intimidation I'm, let me let me retract that um, I, I would say what it is I think people people see the fire that I have for when I'm working on something that it inspires them um, so because because they're inspired they want to they want to take they they want to take over and because because that now because it's like oh wow you know say because that's what happens I feel like when people work with me or they see what I'm working on they get pumped. To, to do something and um but then what happens is it starts they start to make it into a competition when it's not supposed to be the fires and, don't purge they collide right right that's what that's what ends up happening and so i'm so i'm glad i'm able to ex in, inspire people but um but because of that I, you know i feel like i never uh I, I feel like i attract a lot of people that want that uh that want everybody everybody wants to be be in the front yeah. you know what i'm saying but they, but they, but they may not have the uh the uh either the tenacity or the or the skill set to do so you know what i'm saying i'm not and i'm not saying i'm amazing like this amazing person but what i'm saying is that um um that's just something i've just noticed you know what i'm saying so um, i don't i don't have a problem working with a team I, I would love to you know what I'm so i don't even have a problem even being in the back you know being in the background you, you know what i'm saying but it's just uh i just think sometimes my uh my excellence 
when I when I'm when I'm working on something, it just it just uh it just makes people respond a certain way. Yeah. And so it was just so so I just found it easier just to kind of work by myself. You so know, one piece of advice that I would give you that I think will help you a lot. Mm -hmm. and it's something that I had to ultimately come to the conclusion of myself. Mm -hmm. You can either work on the business or in the business, mm -hmm. but not both. Mm -hmm. That's what you said. Yeah, that's right. That's right. When you when you did work with people uh, mm -hmm. and you know they had a slightly divergent vision of the product, how how did you like, handle that? Um, okay, well, I, I try uh, I try my best to be very uh, very logical. So I remember I had a situation where we were working with a team, and um, we only had two weeks to work on the product. You know, so we we spent we, uh, like, no not those two weeks, about about three weeks, about three weeks I think, um, three three uh, three weeks to a month. We, and I think we and we spent a whole week, you know, brainstorming ideas for for uh, for this uh, particular project, right? Now, mind you, the project didn't have to be perfect. It just it just needed to be uh, done. And um, because because once once the project was done and we, and we met the deadline, then they will they, then they will fund. They was going to fund us to do, do do the whole thing. You see what I'm saying? So they need to be perfect. And I and I kept that in mind. You know, so um, so I was the one that was leading this project because they chose me to lead it, the uh, the the event. So um, I was like, okay. So I had to bring on a team of people, and they wanted the game to be made in unity. So I had to take the back the background a little bit because, all right, they chose they put they put me in the front in the forefront because I worked with these people before. So they wanted me to lead the lead the team, and they was paying each of us X amount of money to do this. You know what I'm saying? So um, I was like, okay. So guys, this, this is what we're gonna do. Like, uh, so I said, all right. So I'm not. Um, I don't know how to use Unity because that's not the program I know I, I use. So I found a t I found people that knew how to use it. You know, that's okay. So you know how to use Unity. So I got I got two programmers. Um, and I was gonna do the art, uh, and then and I had some I got somebody to do the music. So we were, so we we spent a, we spent a week brainstorming. You know, coming up with the ideas for the uh, for the project, and everything was flowing, right? Um, and then um, and then I, I had one one person that didn't necessarily know, know how to program as well as good as he said he did at the time you know and um so that was kind of you know kind of messing things up so um i did what i thought was right at the time and i think this is where i probably made a mistake i did what i thought was right and i was like okay dude um i'm sorry we're gonna have to maybe take you off the project because unfortunately like, you know we you know um I, I need you to produce and you're not you know and we only don't got that much time you know what I'm saying, and, and so so he wasn't really I, he wasn't really contributing like I feel like everybody else was, and I, and I felt so bad doing it, but I but I felt like I felt like that was the right thing to do at the time. Don't. Um, and Don't so bad. Yeah, I, I did. I felt terrible though. I did because um, he was a friend too. You know, so yeah. Um, so so now, but then, but now this is now this is the catch twenty two. So I brought so so um I asked the guy one of the guys on the team he knew somebody else to bring on that was a programmer, and I brought them on, and when when uh when when he when I brought him on. He, uh, I told him we, we all we went over what we already had, and this is what we've been thinking. This is what we've been brainstorming, and uh, he was like, "Okay, I like this. I think we should change this and change that, and change this and change that." And I was like, "Okay," and, you know. And, we, and so we, so I was open. I was open to it. So we were all brainstorming some new ideas, but I, it got to the point where I feel like we were doing so much brainstorming that nothing was being done. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, "Look, y'all, this is this is what I think we need to do." I, I um, like uh, the ideas you're talking, the parts that you're, you're talking about changing. Um, I'm having trouble grasping the, the vision of what you're trying to say. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying what I have is perfect, but what, what the ideas you're trying to say is that yeah, the, the rest of the team is getting it, but I'm not. 
You know what I'm saying? So because I'm not because because I'm not getting it as well, I just think that we just need to let's just start. Let's just let's just make the game based on what we already had. And yeah. then when the game gets picked up, we can we, we can um, rework everything all over again. But we yeah. but we need we, we need to do something, That's you know. Exactly and when, right, right. You know what I'm saying. So, but when I did that, um, everybody felt like I was being a tyrant Mm-mm. at that point. And because no. I just kicked somebody off the team, and yeah. um and and um and now and now I'm like kind of in a way kind of almost undermining everybody else because everybody was on board with this new idea of of shifting things, but. I didn't understand what he was trying to do. I didn't understand the vision of it. It just wasn't clicking with me. You so because yeah. it wasn't click, was because it was clicking with me. I'm like, I don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. it. It may be a better idea. I'm not saying it's not, but I just don't get it. You know what I'm saying? To me, it sounded like it made it made, it made the, what we had a little bit more complicated, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so I just think we should just focus on what we already had, just so we can get something done. Because we could, we could, we, we, did, we did a whole nother week of brainstorming. New ideas. It, it, it was too much time. You see what I'm saying? So, um, so that's why I was like, all right. Yeah, I think we should. I had to put my foot down a little bit. And I was like, look, y'all, I'm going to put my foot down. Let's just focus on what we have, and then we can always rework it later. Yeah. Wow. When I, when I did that, people was like, you know what? I don't think I want to do this no more. You know, and, you know, it, it became this whole this whole thing. And um, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you something, too. Now, this, so this is what happened. So, so eventually the whole team fell apart, right? And a lot of you not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be 100 with you. I'm not trying to be too deep or too, you know, too spiritual. A lot of you not. Um, a week before all this happened, uh, every day I felt like the, I felt like the Lord was telling me to keep, to read the story about uh, Judas, mm-hmm. about about Judas betraying Jesus. Right? I read that story. I read the story every day. He got, he had me read the story every day for a week. I'm like, why am I reading this? <laughs> you know, I know the story. He betrayed him. Jesus died. Blah, blah blah. You know, I knew the story. So I'm like, why am I reading this? And then you know, so then after the team fell apart, you know, that was that that was that. So I thought. So then I found out. That everybody after the team fell apart, um, I, you know, I talked to Google and I said, "Hey, um, the team we kind of having a clash of ideas. It's not working out. I think we might." And, and so people start dropping off the team. I know we don't have enough time to find new team members, so I think we just have to just call it a quits, right? So then come to find out, after that, they after after the team fell apart, they formed a new team on the side, and and then they went they went back to Google, and they went through with they they, t- they took the idea that we came up with together, and went back to Google and. Did this whole thing. I was like, oh, that's why I was reading that scripture, you know. Mm. So it, it still hurt, you know, but it was less, it was less of a blow, you know what I'm saying? Because I because I already I already had an inkling um indirectly that it was gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? And um yeah, so um so that's so that's what happened. The last that was the last time I really worked with a team. And you know, like I said, everything like I, I was really trying to be a team player. Um I was really working, I had to make some tough decisions that I didn't want to make, you know. Um but you know everything fell apart after that. You know, so if so, so yeah. I mean, so basically, if I hope to answer your question, it's not that I don't want to work on the team. It's just I just haven't had the best of uh, experiences with it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So the the first thing that I would throw anyway with that is is with your friend. Mm-hmm. Starting there, never feel bad about removing a player from the field. You're not necessarily removing them forever. You're just removing them for now. And that yeah. makes for the fact that if you're going into an all-made battle and you've got a paladin on the front line, G's mm-hmm. awesome, but G's got to go. Yeah. Son, this is a magic battle, and you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is going to go right. sideways. you got to go. Not that you got to go, but you got to go. 
And the thing with that is, is look at it from this perspective. I'm not kicking you off the team. I'm removing you from play. So I right. put a player in that does fit this requirement well. Right. And that's because look at it from this perspective. And this is where a lot of people's pride gets in the way of their own success. If my name is attached to a title, even though I started at the beginning and then I got pulled out halfway through because mm-hmm. of the fact that my part's done, mm-hmm. I'm still part of that achievement. If that title goes to AAA status, I'm still on a AAA title. Right. Mm-hmm. I still hit a home run. I was part of that team. There's nothing wrong with I'm an infrastructure, I'm a security, I'm a cyber guy. I come in, I build the entirety of the infrastructure, everything's up and running. And the developer's like, hey, man, thanks for helping us out. We got the rest. Fantastic, bro. Let me know what other titles we need to work on or other projects or other companies even. And then as you're finishing that title, I'm still a part of that team. I was still there in the beginning. And you can always be be brought back after the fact. It's like, hey, look, we need a networking programmer. You're not a networking programmer. I need to pull you off the project and sideline use because mm-hmm. I have limited budget. I need to put in a networking programmer who specializes in networking programming. Right, right. In this two-week project to kick open the two-year plan. And that's how yeah. you can run that. Okay, I like and that. People yeah. understand that. It's like, hey, look, I'm not kicking you off the team because I want to. I need to pull you onto the bench so that I can put the guy in who can hit this thing the rest of the way. You help me load the bases. Now I need a home run hit. Yeah, and you're, yeah like you're, a, you're a basis loader, and and I need a home. I need a grand slam guy, and I just dropped my grand slam guy in. He hit the grand slam. Now we got a two year project. Let's put you back on that in the areas that you excel in. Mm-hmm. For the second component, as a leader, you're not always going to know exactly what's going on. You're not always going to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. What you can understand in a hundred percent of circumstances, and I personally advocate for this. Mm-hmm. That you can believe in your team mm-hmm. and trust mm-hmm. your team. If you have somebody on your team that you don't trust, get rid of them immediately. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter if they can perform or not. If you don't believe that they can perform, you will end up handicapping them simply because you don't believe in them. You mm-hmm. will impede their progress as a leader. And if you truly believed in that person and you truly wanted what was best for them, you would cut their losses immediately. And help them get to a leader that can believe in them for whatever mm-hmm. reason that you cannot. And that mm-hmm. sets them up for success. And that allows you to bring in somebody that you can believe in that allows you to set them up for success. Right. So that way, when you find yourself in a position to where your team is all on the same page, but you just can't understand it, that's okay. You can communicate that to management. Hey, look. Mm-hmm. The team is super excited. We're pumped. We're on project. We're on schedule. We're under budget. They've got a vision. I don't necessarily understand it all. If you'd like to talk with them to see if you can understand it all, that's fantastic. If you don't want to take that meeting, we'll go ahead and hit that home run there. We'll bring Mm -hmm. that and show you what that looks like. If you don't like it, we can just throw another two weeks at this and some more budget, and we can see what direction you do want to go in. But what they will see is – the team believes in you. You believe in the team. You have a vision. You delivered that vision. It may not be the correct direction, but you only lost two weeks. Mm-hmm. A company like Google, you delivered something in two weeks. They are automatically excited. You, mm-hmm. got team, you motivated that team. You leaded that team. You achieved an objective. It may not have been in the same vertical, 
but it was in the same vector. Right. Now, you might need to shift that bad boy left a little bit to hit target, but you know what? You already hit the first target. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. I have confidence you'll hit the second one if I give you some more additional guidance. Mm-hmm. And that's all you got to do. It's like, hey, look, team with limited guidance, we came together, we put together a plan, we agreed to the plan, we executed the plan, we made some team changes to make sure we could hit that target, we hit the target. You want us to shift left? Fantastic. Let's make that happen. We hit that left, shift left, then fantastic. Now we're on the two-year. Bring your friend back. Team's happy. Team's excited. Team knows their leadership supports them. Mm-hmm. You're good to go. Now, one thing I do not agree with and do not like is the fact that they tried to steal your project and then eventually did steal your project by sabotaging you intentionally. Mm-hmm. It's a staff you do not want to work with. Yeah, that, yeah. That trust. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's uh, fascinating. It was, <laughs> it was, a, it was an interesting experience. But um, you know, and and I and I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, yeah, because it, it was a lesson we learned. You know, um, you know, um, I I don't always have to understand. I just like you said, I don't have to understand. I can just if they get it, um, and you know, I can just support what they're doing. And I'm like, okay, guys, all right, cool. You know, um, so uh, so I get that. I like, I like that uh, approach as well. Um, but I will say this: in the future, um. Because uh, I don't want to do the solo solo thing forever. I don't. I'm not gonna pretend like I do. Um, I like it because I have creative, you know, freedom, obviously. But I think my new approach is gonna be is gonna be this. Um, uh, I know because I have the division in the in the in the creative direction of it. I'm gonna be just that. So, um, so I think for in the in the, in the future, well, even with this pr- particular project, I'm going to put as much work into setting the vision and uh, making the plane, setting the plane, making it making it. Um, understandable. This is what it looks like. This is this is what it feels like. This is what it sounds like. You know what I'm saying? Because I because I can hit all those points. Because I can hit the programming. I can hit the uh, the art, and I can hit the and I can hit the music. I can I can establish what I want those three pillars to to look like, feel like, and sound like. So yeah. now when I when I go find a team like here, this is what I have. This is how I want it to look. This is how I want it to feel. And this is how I want it to sound. And you know now they can be like, okay, now we got something to work with. So they they'll just build on the foundation I already laid. You know what I'm saying? So I think that I think that's what I'm gonna do moving forward. The best idea advice that I can give you for that is mm-hmm. your mistake that you made last time mm-hmm. was you needed to build an aircraft, so you hired a bunch of aircraft engineers. Right. The problem is what you needed to do was go out and hire a bunch of helicopter mechanics and mm-hmm. helicopter engineers. Same principles, same concepts, different innovation and implementation. Right. I go, and the logic behind that is simple. If I go out and I hire a bunch of people from Ford to build a car, they're going to build a Ford because they build Fords. Ah, they're Ford mm. engineers. If right. I go out and I hire an airplane engineer, they're going to make what they think is an airplane. Right. Oh. It froze up. Yeah, until, until he comes back. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I know you're a man of faith. Uh, do, do you like weave the the lessons of the Bible into your games? Like, uh, yes, yeah, every, yeah. Uh, I put I like to put in almost every game that I make. It it may not. It's, it's so great. Like, I think one of the one of the awesome things about uh, I guess um, you know, if I go a little bit into my gifting, one one of the awesome things about having a prophetic gifting sometimes. Is that um I could put things I put things in the game that I didn't even know 
was prophetic sometimes until and, and I so I would end up seeing it later when it when I'm like oh you know so it's like it's it's, it's amazing you know so um so that's, that's one of the things I really uh, cherish between me and my relationship with God sometimes is that sometimes He'll give me an idea for something and I don't understand why but I was like okay well that's a cool idea I put it in there you know so um you, you know so um so yeah so almost almost everything that I I make not almost everything everything that I make I always put a, put a little bit of God in everything I make um. Um, it's not always clear at the beginning, like with this project, I don't see it yet. You know what I'm saying? But um, but as I'm working on it, it's gonna start. It's gonna start making sense. I'm like, oh, okay, I see. I see. I, so, this, so God, this is what you want me to do here. Got it. Was Was there anything you ever had to remove because, like, you you know, maybe it was offensive to God or? Oh. Tone this back a little bit. No, I don't. No, I don't think I've ever had to do that. I have to. Um, I, I, I would question certain things, you know. So, for example, um, um, just one thing I, I've been um writing this uh this this uh, story, um, uh, I, I've been writing a story about uh, I, well, I can't, I'm not gonna really go into what it's about, but I remember while writing writing the story, um, uh, I heard him say, um, you need you need to incorporate the legend of Atlantis into the story, and I'm like. Why? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like that doesn't to me that doesn't sound like a very godlike story. You know, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, why would I incorporate this in there? And then so then I uh, so I listened. And I was like, okay. So I incorporated it in there. And then um, as I started doing my like, you know, I, I love one of my I'm a Bible geek, so I love looking into like the the history and all the ancient history and all of the stuff. So I love that stuff. Um, so as I started looking as I started looking up into the stuff. The story that he gave me for incorporating Atlantis into my story, it started lining up with certain things that happened in the ancient uh, ancient scriptures and all this other stuff. And I started seeing how it connected to to Noah. You know, it's all it's amazing. You see what I'm saying? So I was like, oh, you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't think I've ever had anything I, I had to remove because it went, went against God, but I'm not against it. You know what I'm saying? Either. So if like if I feel like he would show me something, then I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I should check that out. Um, but I, I've questioned uh, certain things at times, but um, I think. Um, Excuse me. I, I kind of uh, broken out of that a uh, that religious mindset of certain things. So, some, so sometimes I feel like um, with with the church they so religious that they 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 know they know they're of no use. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you know what I'm saying because they, they think that they, they think that they know the proper way to do things, and and God is like, well, no, I want you to do it this way. But see, but you but you're, 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 you're right. You're, they're, they're trying. They're trying. They're trying so hard to be Christian that that they're not being. Uh, if that makes any sense, you see what I'm saying? So it's just like, cause uh, cause Christian Christian media is terrible. I'm like, it is trash. You know what I'm saying? And and when I remember when I first when I first became a Christian, I was like, all right, I said, like, Lord, if I'm gonna do this Christian thing, uh, th this uh cri this Christian media gotta go. You you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so so um so uh so it's almost like I went through like a uh I feel like I feel like I, in some ways I went through like a spiritual uh creative boot camp. In, in in some ways, you know, because I'm like, all right, so I, I know how to put the things of God in my stories without it feeling intrusive, but mm -hmm. it would also so it's also feeling in, so so people so people will get the message they need to get, um, but but then the people that the people that really know, um, that know know the know the word or know the word of God, they will see it. You see what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same thing that 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 they already do now with uh with, with media on TV. You got one of, one of my favorite uh favorite uh shows is Avatar: Last Airbender. And and it's, it's, it's Buddhism list, listed all through through Avatar the Last Airbender. You see what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. So so I'm I'm really not doing anything different than that. You know, right. I I just I just I know how to present it in a way where it doesn't feel like you're getting this is a Christian product, and I don't mm -hmm. want to I don't want to watch this. You see what I'm saying? I just know how to 
put put those put those things into my story where it's still interesting, it's still intriguing. That nece- doesn't necessarily mean they're going to convert and become a Christian. Just because I watch Avatar Last Airbender doesn't mean I'm going to become a Buddhist, but I understand the story that you're telling. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. So you're teaching them a lesson, but you're not bashing them over the head with it. To, yeah, basically, that's, that's basically, and I and I do it in an interesting way. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and uh, and I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of a little example of that. So in that in the uh, story, the project remix story, um, the the story is basically this. The story starts off um with this um this big music festival, and this and this festival um is something that's that gets celebrated every seven years, right? Um. And so even with the numbers I use, it, they all mean something, you know? So um, so this, this, fest, this, big, this big music festival is celebrated every seven years. So um, in the story, I call them deities, but they're actually angels. Um, every, so every seven years, um, the, the, the different, these, different, um, these different deities from, from, all, from, the, from different parts of the world come together into this one city to, to have this big celebration of music. And each, and each of, the, uh, each of the, uh, the angels represent a particular genre of music. Um, so during this celebration, uh, during the celebration, it, it came time for the uh, for for the last the last angel to to uh, to do his part of the celebration. So um, he was he he had his uh his music genre he represented was was the DJing genre. And um, so what happens is he doesn't have any powers of his own. So what happens is all the other angels they have to give they have to give to give their music powers to him for him to be able to mix it and do the DJ thing with it. You know what I'm saying? But when he does when so when he gets when it's his turn to celebrate to do his uh his little performance. He um he keeps the power for himself, and he decides to turn on on, on all the other angels, and he decides to hit, hypnotize the entire city with music, Ooh. and takes over. So that so that right there's the story of Lucifer. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So yeah, so that so that, that's how I mix my that's how I mix mix uh the Christianity in my stories is I take I take those stories and I'm like okay how can I tell this in a different way, and 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 I feel like God kind of giving me the he kind of showed me how to do that. And that's what that that's what that spiritual creative boot camp I have. Now I know how to mix and intermingle all those things, all the different stories in the Bible into uh into a different products. Well, that's the number one mistake that's made by most Christians is the vast majority of the Bible, with rare exception, is more of stories and parables for wisdoms. Exactly. And exactly. Exactly. And, and it's designed to build a framework of morality for you to live by. It's a way of life. It's a way of faith. Mm-hmm. It's, a way, it's a walk. It's a path. It's a journey. It's not a, oh, well, verse 17, line 6, said by Isaiah is this. Isaiah is not the word of God unless he exactly. exactly. God told him to tell you. It is not the word of God. If you look at the Bible, the vast mm-hmm. they say the Bible is the word of God. No, mm-hmm. it's not. The Bible is a collection, it's a literal library by the legal definition. Mm-hmm. It's a library of multiple testimonies of multiple prophets and multiple mm-hmm. um disciples and mm-hmm. witnesses of the walk and life of Christ, both mm-hmm. before and during and after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very few by number of lines and number of sentences are the actual words of Christ or the actual words of God. Mm-hmm. Very that's little. Mm-hmm. But that's where the common misconception comes. And one of the core mistakes of our faith come from is the fact that every single word is interpreted as if it was the word of God. And it is not. That's a, no, that's, that, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Because I, I think, for example, 
I'll just one of the examples I use all the time about when I talk about this, right? Um, and so this this type of stuff that gets you crucified if you say it. So, no, uh, no. but 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 this, but this is this is one example I use. Um, um, like most most Christians, their favorite person in the Bible isn't Jesus. Their favorite person in the Bible is Paul. Because Paul is very he's he's more he's more he's more more relatable to the narrative that they want to have. And that's what I'm gonna tell you what I mean. So people like like Paul because Paul was very um direct with his message. He's like uh he's like you know he's very you know he's very in your face with his message but the difference is he had to be because he was dealing with a lot of he was dealing with a lot of Jews that knew the truth but they didn't want to accept the truth. Jesus was very Jesus was very uh a lot more softer because he was dealing with uh people that didn't know who God was or, or people that never had an encounter with God. So so people like taking Paul's approach not knowing that Paul's approach was was uh his approach was was set that way for a particular reason. He had his his approach with him being very very direct was because he was dealing with a lot of hard-headed Jews that knew Jesus was real but they're trying to pretend like they didn't they didn't know you know what i'm saying so but people so, but a lot of christians they like that part but they don't they don't like the they don't like the loving part that jesus did you see what i'm saying so um so people think just because paul paul was like this and just because it's in the bible this is how i'm supposed to be no that's not even paul himself said that you can prophesy you can do all these amazing things but if you don't have love then it means nothing you see what i'm saying so um so so i so that's what that's what it is though like a lot of people they will read something in the Bible and they'll think that this is how they how how it's supposed to go. But some, sometimes some of those things in the Bible is a lesson. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not for it's not this is not what necessarily God God is not saying you need to be in your face. Which 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 are, it's funny I made like a little video about this recently, and um and in, in the video I drew like a little illustration and I was talking about how um how 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 pe how people um like you know we're called to be the light of God right and when and when you're when you're the light of God. All you have to do is just step into a room, and that, that light and that light that comes from you will start to reveal things that's hidden in the dark. But a lot of times, Christians they like to hold their light and shoot it out like a Kamehameha wave, you know what I'm saying? And they like to hit people with their little beams of light, and they and they think and they think that's how how what being a Christian is. No, sometimes a Christian being a Christian being a good Christian is just being in that environment. I dare I dare say that most of the time Jesus was minding his business, being the light, and people came to him. Yeah, and you, you know what I'm saying, but they, but it, it was not, it was never Jesus had to go punch somebody in the face, you know what I'm saying, and, that, and that's what that's well, Christians, are Christians want to have that approach. He hit a few people, but they deserved it. Uh, the right, but, well, right, but, the, but those right, 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 right. The tabernacle was was one of them. Right, right, um, but right, that's what I'm saying. But that, but that, but people like that part. Yeah. But they don't. But they don't. They're like, and there's a time and place for everything. But people, so people like that aggressive part, but they don't they don't like that uh that passive part. Well, my you favorite part is, is 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 Saul. My favorite prophet and, mm -hmm. and disciple of all is Saul. Mm -hmm. It shows the perfections and imperfections simultaneously of the ideal disciple. The fact that Saul mm -hmm. murdered more Christians than mm -hmm. anybody else combined mm -hmm. is a perfect demonstration of the path of redemption. He was yeah, a absolutely. killer. He tortured people to death. Mm -hmm. the multitudes he killed mm -hmm. cities worth of people and mm -hmm. God used him absolutely the fact that absolutely. you use someone who was a mass murderer and still use them as part of your faith convert them from that far of an extreme mm -hmm. from one side to the other is a demonstration of the level of the breadth of forgiveness mm -hmm. and that is something that people do not understand as far as the east is from the west, mm -hmm. this sounds like lyrics. When you realize they, the real living amplification of that was Saul, 
who used mm-hmm. to murder Christians by simply just seeing one, to one of the most active advocates in existence. That's what he means. Mm-hmm. When you look Absolutely. at things like Psalms, mm-hmm. it's uh, a great example is Psalms. Is, is there are so many components to Psalms and King David mm-hmm. himself who wrote it. And the components of the arrogance and the downfall and the re-rise of David mm-hmm. and the Psalms and all the stories and components of wisdom and grace and understanding and humility and patience and kindness and caring and love and all of those characteristics that are embodied in the in those books by David and and also uh, by the Psalms chapter itself, those are components to what is the practice of the faith. The understanding of the faith is in the components of things like Ruth and Magdalene and and Saul. Uh, the, the fact that he sent Noah into the belly of a fish <laughs> as the... I'm just going to have a whale eat you. That seems like a lesson. You know, solitary confinement is 700 feet beneath the surface of the ocean. Like, his lessons were uh, eccentric. Uh, Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the the movie Anger Management. Mm -hmm. The guy's methods were, like, extreme, but they were super effective because they were so extreme. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a perfect example of, of, of exactly that. And I, mm-hmm. I think that people who are Christian and people who are Christian, there is a massive breakdown in those two peoples. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the, the perfect example of the outcome is, is the ending chapters related to Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. It's the people who walk the faith aren't going to look back because they don't need to. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to say goodbye to. There's nothing to, mm-hmm. uh, to bid farewell. There's there's no attachments. It's Saul was murdering Christians, and now he's saving Christians. Right. And, and that mm-hmm. history is history. It doesn't matter how big the mountain of bodies was. Hey, that's gone. Mm-hmm. The second you convert, that's washed away. That yep. That is the totality of that is that is zeroed out. It's gone. Right. The only thing no, you have is the future, and and that's the component that so many Christians really suffer from being able to understand is is, and I struggle with it too. And it's being able to understand once you make that change, mm-hmm. the past doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. and it's just well with with rare exceptions. There's there's I think like two or three components to that to where God has no forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. that was I think if I'm not mistaken, edicted by the words of God. And mm-hmm. and one of them was the blaspheming of the spirit. And if mm-hmm. you blaspheme the spirit, God said there is no forgiveness for you. Mm-hmm. There is no redemption. And and mm-hmm. that's not my call. But I mean, everybody's got a line. I guess God's is that one. So mm-hmm. um yeah. And um, I think the other fascinating component to it is Christians struggle to realize that that line exists and mm-hmm. not with the extremes of you'll never be forgiven, but the extremes of once you are forgiven mm-hmm. and they can't get past the, oh, well, they're sinners and they're X and they're Y and they're Z, not even realizing that they're, they're passing judgment on someone simply because mm-hmm. that's understandable. But 
the, the component to that is is once they convert, once they seek forgiveness, once they invite Christ into their life, that mm -hmm. history no longer exists. And if we mm -hmm. truly walk the faith as Christ did, that doesn't exist anymore. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't carry that with him. He doesn't, <laughs> well, I wrote it in the book. You got six pages in here, but only two got stuff written on them. No, it's like those other four, just they were ripped from the books. They don't, as if they never existed, as if it never mm -hmm. And there's yeah. only been two pages, and there is only two pages. And that's it. As far as Christ is concerned, as far as God is concerned, as far as judgment is concerned, there's only two pages to consider. Everything else mm -hmm. is non-existential. Non -existential. And that's one of the biggest failures from a Christian's perspective, from my perspective, from my observations in the walk of the faith, is people, mm -hmm. people in their imperfections are not able to walk as Christ did, mm -hmm. though he walked as us on the earth. Right. His ability to seek forgiveness, to see forgiveness, to give forgiveness— and and to comprehend forgiveness his comprehension of the faith was at a level far beyond what i feel anybody will ever be able to achieve i mean the idea of you just axe murdered 100 million people and then, like you invite christ into your life and all of a sudden that never happened most people can't grasp that concept okay yeah um yeah, absolutely, man. And yeah, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Like, but yeah, um, but yeah, but yeah, like, so, uh, you know, go back to what, uh, what we're talking about. But yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't believe that you, uh, you, you need to bash people, people over the head with, uh, with the Christian. I, I believe that is, uh, is that is that powerful that all you gotta do is just, just light a match, and it will spread. That, that that's it. You know what I'm saying? Um. Yeah, I don't, so I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't agree with that. I'm not, I'm never going to, uh, that's why I don't even call myself a Christian game developer. And the reason why, because the reason why I don't is because I'm a Christian that just so happens to make games. Mm. And so, um, so when I make my games, I'm, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the guy, like the guy that, uh, the, 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 the two guys that made Avatar The Last Airbender, um, I wouldn't be, they most likely, they probably do this because that's, that's the, that's the religion that they were, uh, really pushing in, in that, uh, in the Avatar The Last Airbender, you know, um, but they're not going to say I'm a I'm a I'm a Buddhist uh, animator. They're going to say I'm an animator. And I just so happen to be a Buddhist, and I put some of these elements into my product. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I'm not so yeah. That's kind of my approach. I just yeah, I put whatever. You know. So um, a lot of times I'll come up with the idea before I even figure out how to incorporate God into it, or or it could be the other way around. I, I get I get an idea and I'm like, oh, let me I should make something around centered around that that theology that, that I feel like God had dropped in my mind. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so it, it depends. Yeah. Well, I, I think the number one issue with people and religion as a whole is people see religion as a condition or a status, like a status of mm -hmm. They do. Instead of seeing it as what it is, which is a direction. Mm -hmm. Christians are going in one direction. Mm -hmm. They're walking faith. Christians are going another direction. They mm -hmm. So happen to be going in the relative same ish direction if you're of the Abraham um, religions and the mm -hmm. Jews and the Muslims and the Christians, we happen to be walking in a very similar direction mm -hmm. in a cone, and it happens to be going ish that way. Yeah. And then you've got the atheists going in pretty much the complete opposite direction of all three as much mm -hmm. as possible. Buddhists are somewhere in the in between. 
they're all directions. Mm-hmm. You can't be a direction. You can only travel in a direction. You can only mm-hmm. go in a direction. And it's totally okay to encounter someone and say, hey, look, our mm-hmm. paths are going in very different directions. And my faith is taking me this way. And your ideologies or your personal pol- politics mm-hmm. or beliefs are taking you in that direction. And those directions just they're not cohesive and that's yeah it. yeah absolutely and not yeah i don't i'm never gonna um you know make somebody you know feel bad about what they practice that's not my job but a, yeah, but a lot, a lot of christians think that's their job <laughs> yeah that, that's my, my job is brimstone guys yeah. right yeah my, my job is just to be a light because what's going to happen is they're going to eventually see that there's something different about you and they're going to start asking you questions I don't got I don't I don't gotta throw Jesus at you. But you gonna but you're gonna see that you're gonna see the Jesus that's in me. You see what I'm saying? So um yeah. But um but yeah, I don't yeah, I don't I don't think first of all, the first thing we call to do is love people. Um but but you got a lot of the fire and brimstone Christians will be like, Well, I am loving him by telling the truth. Yeah, but this per- but again, this person don't know you. So you just walking up to some random Buddhist on the street, tell them that tell them that everything that they know that everything that they think about like this. Some some these are people people grew up in these religions so this is all that they know so they they truly believe that what they're doing this what that this is what this is their truth you see what i'm saying they truly believe that this is the actual truth so you coming in there telling them otherwise that's not going to cut it you know what i'm saying all you got to do is step in the scene be a light it's, it's, it's really that simple like like when jesus when jesus came he literally put everything on easy mode yeah um but but, but christians keep trying to switch it back to hard mode well I have a saying for that that mm-hmm. I think is highly effective, which is people you waterboard aren't thirsty. Mm-hmm. If you try to make someone drink it or you torture them with it, they will never yeah. consume it. Yeah. The, the idea of being a Christian is to lead them to water in the desert. They are Absolutely. lost souls in the desert, and we are leading them to the oasis. They don't have mm-hmm. to drink. You can die mm-hmm. of thirst in the oasis. People have mm-hmm. starved to death in cities full of food. Mm-hmm. Just, it happens to be what it happens to be. And, yeah. But I can lead you. I can, as you were saying, be that beacon. I can be the guide to where you need to be. I am the light in the middle of the desert burning in the oasis. And you can walk to that light where the water is and the food is. Mm-hmm. Or you can keep walking into oblivion. And you may or may not find another light within your time frame. Before you die of exhaustion or starvation or thirst mm-hmm. in the desert, and it'll be what it'll be. Right. But no pressure. You can you yeah. can believe if you want to believe. It's the same thing I did with my kids. I don't even push my faith on my kids. My kids mm-hmm. adopted my Christian faith because they wanted to believe. Mm-hmm. Same with my wife. Mm-hmm. No requirements. She wasn't like a hardcore Christian. Mm-hmm. She saw me. And my consistency with my faith, my active practice with my faith, the kindness that I show other people because of my faith and Mm -hmm. who I am and what my faith has made me into. Right. Her want to be part of that. My kids naturally picked that up and they started practicing. They wanted their own cross. My son first and now my Mm -hmm. daughter and hopefully my other daughter and my Mm -hmm. older daughter maybe. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. if you are the beacon and you're at the oasis because you're where you're supposed to be as a Christian, 
Mm-hmm. Key point where you are supposed to be as a Christian, where God told you to be. If you listen and you're at where you're supposed to be, people will come to your beacon. Mm-hmm. But if you're lost in the desert too, you got to be found yourself. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's the biggest issue. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, and um, you know, it's uh, like I, I got, I already know some some of the things that I I think when it comes to certain things are a, a little controversial. Um, you know, but um, I'm okay with that. Because uh, I, I feel like you don't get nowhere if you don't push the edge a little bit, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so some of the things, you know, like for example, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an example. Um, People don't like the idea that Jesus wasn't white. <laughs> no. Right away, Jesus oh, was okay. not white. I regret to inform you, but not really. <laughs> right. So I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you a good example of this. Right. Um, do you guys? It's a story in the Bible. I can't remember exactly where it's at. Um, and um, basically in the story, uh, it was these, uh, these, I think it was like three men, they were like spies and they were going into a city to, 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 you know, to spy out, to search out and see what's going on because they were about to come. God was about to get ready to send them to send, send the, uh, the nation of Israel to overtake, to, to, to overthrow the city. So, um, when they, uh, when they were discovered that they were spies, they were kind of on the run a little bit. And this woman that lived in the city took them in. And she, uh, and, uh, she, as you know, she took them in while they, while, to keep them safe while they, while they, so they can get away. So, um, so this guy, so the guy told them, he said, because, you know, because you, because, because you kept, you kept us safe when we need it, um, we're gonna, when, when we come to overtake the city, we're not gonna harm you. So just put, just put a red flag, or like I think she said, a red scarf hanging from your window. And when we see that red scarf, we'll know, we'll know not to, not to go and raid your, uh, where you're, you're dwelling, right? So, um, so now I'm telling, I'm, I'm telling you this for an example. So um, now, so I'm gonna take that story and I'm gonna flip it. Now, um, my uh, my roommate uh, that I had back when I was living in New York, he passed away a couple of years ago. Sorry for your um, Well, thank you. Oh, no, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And yeah, he passed away a couple of years ago. And um, you know, when when we went to the funeral, um, I, I had some. They gave me let, let me say some words. And um, you know, I, and I told him, I said, look. My roommate, he wasn't, you know, I'm not saying that he wasn't, uh, I, I think he did give his life to Christ at one point, but he wasn't really a practicing Christian, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, but I told him, I told him, I told, told this to everybody at, at the service, and they looked, some of them looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I believe he's in heaven right now. I'm going to tell you why I believe that. It's because, um, and I, I use that story for example. And I, I said, uh, he took me in when I really needed help. And he didn't have to. I didn't have a place to go. I was, I didn't know where I was going to, you know, it was, it was one of those things. I didn't know where I was going to go. And, um, and he took, he took me in when I didn't have to. And, 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 um, and I feel like God told me when he passed away, because, because, because he treated you with kindness when you needed the help, um, I accept him for it. And so just, so just like, you know, so, so he, so I believe that he, he made it to heaven just because he took, he took in the man of God that he didn't have to. He treated me just, just like just like the uh, just, just like the uh, the men that walked past the, uh, the the guy that was beaten on the road in uh, in Samaria. You know what I'm saying? Um, so just so just by default, because because he because he accepted me and he accepted the God in me, he um God 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 uh, took him with him just because of that. And he didn't so he didn't he didn't even have to meet the so-called requirements to make it to heaven. You see what I'm saying? And um and I know that's, that some people won't won't really agree with that. But um, like I said, there's countless amount of stories in the Bible of a, of an adaptation, for example. You know what I'm saying? Where this person was, wasn't necessarily Israelite, they wasn't necessarily this or that, but God still accepted them. You, you see what I'm saying? And um, 
so I so I know a lot of times when I, when I say certain things are controversial, but there, there, there's stories in, in the Bible that has examples of this. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I, so I, I don't know. It's a I know how I think it's a little interesting, but yeah. And I know it's getting kind of late, man. But uh, yeah, just yeah, uh, yeah. another quick question. Uh, yeah. Like, do, do you ever find like any conflicts in the industry? Like you know, because you are you are a Christian, is there like certain issues you run into, or you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's it's for it's, and it's for pretty much everything that we've been talking that we've been talking about. I don't I don't I don't lead with that. I, I don't I don't lead with my uh, with my spirituality. That's something they they usually find it out later on. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, so so I always get the response of, "Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you're really cool for a Christian." Mm -hmm. You know, um, um, oh, you're very, you know, you're very, you know, they they will they will see the characteristics long before they before they they know my faith. Mm -hmm. They will see they will see the fruit before they know the faith. You, you know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't have to. I don't. So I never ran into any issues that be, with that because I'm just genuinely a nice person. Now, but the, there is an opposite where uh where I will where I will run into um people people will just meet me and they just won't like me. For no reason, mm. and 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 it's, and, it's, and it's probably a spirit or whatever that's on them. But I don't do. I can sometimes I can just walk into a room and it, it, somebody just won't like me. Mm. Yeah. I didn't do nothing. I just I just shined a light, and unfortunately, my light exposed your darkness. Right. And just just by me walking into the room, I didn't have to say nothing to you. You know, so that happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. Yeah. But yeah, guys, I know it's getting late. I did. Did y'all have yeah. any closing thoughts? No. Um. This has been great, honestly. This has been very exciting. I feel like I've learned a lot. And I'm, I got some things I want to take back and put it into, uh, you know, some of the advice that he was giving. Um, I'm definitely going to apply a lot of those things, and um, I feel like I'm not crazy because you know, because you guys are able to kind of see where I was coming from when it came to, you know, how I was trying to move in the industry and everything. So, you know, I, I learned a lot. So, um, um, I'm very, I feel very uh, positive moving forward. You know, and I feel like. Uh, I feel like this is a new jump off point for me. And uh and I appreciate starting my jump off point with you guys. Yeah, yeah. man. If you ever want to come back on the show, just let us know, man. We'll bring Absolutely. you Absolutely. I would just love to. Remember Absolutely. me when you're notch and you're rolling over to which side of the bed has two different phones. You <laughs> cool too, Bill. I mean, we can work together, man. I like I like your business mind. You know, I'm I'm okay with that. I you want to work with as many game people as possible. Absolutely. I want to because I want to see as many people hit as many home runs as possible. My thing is this. Even if you don't mm -hmm. hit a grand slam, you just hit a baseliner. And you yeah. can only make $5 million. Listen. 10%, you put five hundred k in the pocket. I, I helped you buy your new home. Look, look man, I, no, I'm, I really love your mom, man. My, I want to become the next Walt Disney. Um, and. I'm literally like I, I have I have a, a, a vision that big, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if I want to be the mouse. They've got a gangster man, like they've got an actual <laughs> G man. I don't know if you knew that, but they I'll have a literal, literal G man, and he is he. I know his name, dude is terrifying. Like oh, 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 sure. history, well, like this man is an actual G man. <laughs> And you're no, just I, like, I believe damn, that. the mouse got serious. <laughs> no, I believe that. I believe that. But no, like I, I wanna um yeah, I I kind of have a I have a vision. Like I wanna uh get, get to a get to a place like that, you know what I'm saying? And I want God and I want God to be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? So um and I, I believe it's possible. I just need the right people around, you know. Um and uh, so yeah. I'm more than Let's happy see. to help you get there if I can. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll pass y'all the information to each other once we yeah. uh, get off the stream. 
Absolutely, please. Thank you so much, guys. And I, I really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, by the way, are you going to TwitchCon? Who said again? You going to TwitchCon? No, you know, I'm, you know, it's so funny. I'm learning about a lot of these different cons, <laughs> like just now. Like I didn't, I like, I it's like, I knew about certain ones, like the basic ones, like packies and stuff like that. But I'm, I've been learning a lot about these cons. So what is TwitchCon exactly? TwitchCon's where all the streamers go. Oh no, I no, I never thought about that. I'm definitely want to go. Where, where's it located? Uh, I think the second one's in California. California, okay. Yeah, because okay. that's where I'm going to. I ain't going to Paris. Just happened. I ain't going to Paris. Got it. Okay. Well, I, I can't afford California right now, but in in um in the near future, when the when the blessings of the Lord has run, rained down on, on dying hands, <laughs> where are you out of? It's it's in Vegas. Um, I'm currently in uh, Newport News, Virginia. So I, I just moved here from New York about a year ago. Virginia. Yeah. Yes. I, I hate it here. <laughs> I I will be moving again. <laughs> but, yeah, if you need help getting to TwitchCon, I can help you get to TwitchCon. Seriously? Yeah. Okay, so yes, we will talk. So yes, please pass the information. That sounds fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, because uh, TwitchCon would be amazing for you as an indie because of the fact that you'll be able to talk directly to the streamers who stream games and are constantly looking for something to make them stand out in terms of titles. If, if you know you're, if you're making fun. the game, they can't mm -hmm. get any more exclusive than the developer who made the game. Fascinating. You know, it's, it's funny you said that. And I, I'm sorry, I don't want to keep going over time. But no, um, it's funny you said it because I'm I'm actually doing a, a a collaboration with a Twitch streamer right now. He's uh, I found I met him on TikTok, and he like he saw the game and he was like, no, saw the characters and he was like, and uh, you know, he was like, yeah, man, I want to I really want to support any way I can. So I told him that okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn you into a character. A video game character. Now I'm not. I, now I don't know if I'm gonna necessarily put him in the game as of yet, but I'm. But I'm designing him. With, you know, with the, I got a sprite made already. His the portrait art for him and everything. So I, I've got to animate the sprite art, and then I'm gonna make a little video. And yeah, it's gonna be a whole little thing. So you can make a whole like like the fight game. You can make a whole like little mini level. Yeah. Where, yeah. Like with the crowd in the background, and just like in Street Fighter in the crowded area, where like the the crowd of people are in the background and they're yeah. fighting in the front. There used to be a bunch of Twitch streamers that were in the That's a good idea. Yeah, see, I like this. I like this. Yeah, there's <laughs> people in for sprites anyways. You might as well make it something that's attached to the community. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, almost, yeah, I wanted to feel like a community a game. Yeah. That's selling the vision. It's like, hey, look. So you share this to your to your streaming people. I'll add you into the game. You didn't yeah. Say yeah, that's, that's true. Hard. I didn't say how. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah. then they're pushing your game to their entire following. You get 20, 30, 40 streamers that are significant population. You know, 10, 20, 30,000 people. I mean, at that point, total subscribers from all of your people there. I mean, you get 40 of them times 40,000. That's 1.6 mm -hmm. million total people. Yeah. Your exposure is 1.6 million people before you get to green light. Yeah, that's, and that's with that. If you take that with you to green light, mm -hmm. you could have like a stream day where you actually sit down and like you're playing with all of the streamers. That's like, a good idea. And then at that point, it's so many people are going to put so many eyeballs on your game on the same day at the same time that you're going to have enough attention to trigger the green light program. Man, that's crazy. 
And and I could and I can even see we we gotta talk about this later because I don't wanna keep him on here forever. But yeah, we, yeah, me and you wanna connect, man, because I yeah, that's yeah, I, I like I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. That's what I do. Just don't have to draw anything. You do not want to see that. <laughs> that that's gonna need some Jesus, and that still ain't getting it, it'll be an A for effort. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't think I could draw a stick figure if you gave me a clamp. <laughs> oh, no. oh duh. But yeah, yeah, Kevin, yeah, please yeah, send this information over and then I'm and then, maybe, and then I'm gonna connect with him as soon as possible because this is yeah, this is awesome. Hey, I'm broken stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 